Welcome to Amateur All Tours, the podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a movie. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me is my brother, Brian, and we would like to welcome you to Amateur All Tours. All right, welcome to the show. Um, I'm Mike, and joining me as always... Hey guys, Brian. And um, first off, just, I just want to say sorry for the little hiatus. I think we missed a week, but uh, that's just kind of getting settled. Uh, into the summer, but um, but yeah, now that we're all settled and we can start recording again, and so we have a few. Th- well, I have a big. We have a big announcement before we start. Um, so we, I mean, without further ado, I mean, we've mentioned this in a a previous episode, but we're finally on iTunes and YouTube. Uh, great news. Uh, this this podcast is now available for those who who aren't aware that we are now available on iTunes, same name, Amateur All Tours. Um, I've double-checked and triple-checked, and everything is up-to-date. It is on there. And the YouTube channel is also Amateur All Tours, where as of this date, we have three shorts up. Uh, two of them are mine, one of them is Brian's, but things are constantly we're working on things and they're also there's going to be put up right immediately so uh yeah i don't know brian do you have anything to say about the youtube and itunes um well i mean i think a good amount of people who if you're listening to this now it's probably through itunes uh because i mean it's just through soundcloud it's not really a platform that everybody uses and i will i'm speaking to the people right now who listen to us on soundcloud who are listening to right now on soundcloud Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome because you guys were there from the beginning. And then for you guys who found us on iTunes, thank you for subscribing or just even giving us a listen because we really appreciate it. Um, and this is gonna be cool. This is gonna be like this is a fun thing that we do. And I can't because like kind of the point of this whole podcast is that Mike and I we want to bring our you know love for cinema and all of that good stuff to you guys. And and also, I mean, maybe in the future, maybe we'll be able to communicate with you guys, have kind of a dialogue back and forth, maybe create a forum or something. So we really just want to cr- create a dialogue for these films that not everybody necessarily talks about. And also in kind of just different ways, also because we like it. So thank you. Oop. All right, sorry about that, guys. Um... We're still we're on Skype. We're still trying to figure out these technical issues. But um, going off of what Brian said, um, and I, I kind of want to add something. Um, so I think we are available through SoundCloud, iTunes, and I believe we're also available on the Android podcasting network. It's I'm not entirely sure what it's called, but it's a podcasting app uh, that you can get with Android and SoundCloud. I think is directly associated with it. So we're kind of available on three different platforms inadvertently. So yeah, that, that is kind of our big announcement. Um, I'll probably make a separate episode just to kind of remind everyone, make it, make the announcement its own thing. But without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Um, last episode talked about Blair, Witch on my, recommendation and I, i'm glad we talked about it i think the importance 
of the film isn't really seen. I, I feel like most people just see it as an underrated movie, or I think it's an underrated movie, and that it's and people easily dismiss it as just I don't know some stupid indie film, and I completely disagree with that. But I'm glad we were able to talk about it and have I thought a decent decent discussion about it. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, what I said, I had to say last week. So uh, nothing. I don't really have anything too much to reiterate or anything like that. Okay. Well. Yeah, just, I just wanted to touch on that. But, so, moving forward, we have our next film on Brian's recommendation. And, Brian, uh, what are we watching? Uh, right now, we are watching and discussing Judy Tamor's Across the Universe. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this came out in 2007. And, yeah, I, I, I remember seeing this trailer... Uh, actually, for Spider-Man three of of all movies, and ha- I mean, I think it was like two that early two thousand or late two thousand six, and I remember seeing this trailer, and how we were like nine or so, and I remember thinking, nah, I don't oh, think it, we were nine, well, yeah, maybe ten or eleven nah, or so. It, it was across it was across the universe came out in like two thousand eight or no, no two thousand seven. Oh well. Well, anyway, we were. I think we were no, we just were like the, twelve or. Th- we were like 12 or 13. Okay, well, I was a year off. But anyway, so... You said 9. Whatever. So, but anyway, the point is, I remember seeing this trailer not really being too impressed with it. But really? also, well, here's the thing. Like, at the time, I wasn't really listening to the Beatles that much. So I didn't really appreciate what it was. I just thought it was... I was like, wow, it's going to be not a good movie. But as I started listening to the Beatles more and I got a little more mature in that in that time frame um I actually got really excited for this because I remember we got it on DVD immediately when it came out um and we just like watched the crap out of it yeah I remember I ate the soundtrack up I mean because we got it on CD and I loved it but i mean also right now i want to backtrack really quick i, I believe i said judy tamor it's julie tamor so for that i apologize but anyway uh i mean i remember i don't remember exactly when we started listening to the beatles in terms of kind of appreciating it uh how we do now but i mean i remember like starting off with the beatles was kind of like our mom would sing it to us when we were little but then i didn't really know what it was and then i think i, I remember like the first instance was like well, maybe we were like in seventh grade, so twelve, when I think our mom just had like a bunch of Beatles CDs, like let's listen to the Beatles, and I remember I just ate it up when I first kind of. I wish I could kind of go back to that point in time when I first started listening to the Beatles, because I really have no recollection of how I felt other than, I guess like, I don't know. Enlightened isn't really like that's too over dramatic, but. It's definitely like something when you experience the Beatles for the first time. So around, and this was when this movie started coming out. Cause I remember I saw the trailer, and I was really, sent, I was like, "Holy shit! I actually really want to see this movie." And this was before I kind of got to appreciate film like I do now. But even back then, I knew something was just really special about this movie. And uh, and ever since then, that I start that I watched it. And I kind of took it in. Uh, I, it's just, I, it's it's become so, it, it's a really special movie to me. And even if, and it's weird because I I feel like everybody who's seen it 
uh, loves it. Yeah, I was gonna say. But it, it, but yet here we are. I, I feel like the critical acclaim is like meh towards the movie. I, I was even gonna... though I think it's like a, a a huge achievement. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, sorry. Weird. I'm sorry. I thought you were finished. I th- I was gonna say. I feel like this is more of like a cult movie, but it's not like it is and isn't like because I feel like. Everyone that I talk to about this movie says they really enjoy it and they really like it, but it's not on a lot of people's radar. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like because it's so strange that I feel like if I showed this to people who aren't exactly too open to the idea of interpreting... I guess the casual moviegoer isn't quite the right term, but people who I think kind of just go into a movie with these base expectations of like this is how it's gonna be you don't really have to think about it too hard i feel like it's those kind of people who will hate this movie and pan it and i i mean i I feel like i know a few people who would kind of watch something like this and say well what does that mean why do i have to watch this when you're really supposed to kind of just go with it and kind of just go with the experience of what's happening not exactly you're not really supposed to take it too literally like like I, i feel like you know we'll get more in depth in a little bit, but I feel like just kind of just pulling a scene out of a hat, just saying, oh, I guess if we watched, uh, let's see, like being for the benefit of Mr. Kite with Eddie Izzard, I feel like if I showed some of my casual moviegoer friends that scene, they would say, well, what the fuck is happening? This doesn't make sense. Well, with that, I mean, we'll get into that more, but like out of context, yeah, I agree that no but i'm saying even in the movie eh, i guess if they watch the well before movie, i, I want to talk about that like my exposure to the music before we really start the movie because i mean you said you don't really remember too much when you started like experimenting and listening to the beatles um i'm, I'm kind of the opposite i remember i think i was in sixth grade and and i remember this because it was the beatles i started really experimenting with like listening to and also queen so that was that was a time that I was really into their music. I think the first album I listened to was, it, it's 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 weird. I started with the Beatles, kind of their later stuff first, and then their early stuff. And I feel like it's much more contemporary, not like contemporary. Well, yeah, contemporary, but it's also their later stuff. It's more interesting it, it's who to me. The Beatles really are, in it's, my opinion. Yeah, it's like the visual, the visual, or not the visual, the um, the musical styling is, I think, more. It's different. It's, I think it's, it's totally different, and it's more alluring. I mean that to me. So it's a lot. It's a lot more interesting because drugs, but there's so much more going <laughs> on in their later stuff than in their, you know, doo-wop. Uh, romanticize like love me do she loves you kind of stuff yeah well i and i wanted to say like i remember vividly listening to for for a little while revolution was one of my favorite songs and i remember i i think i heard across the universe at one point and i was just so enraptured by it and i had no idea what it was called and i just kept asking like older like teachers in in my school like what is this song called i don't know who it is but i would like sing like sing the lyrics or hum the hum the music and they're like oh it's across the universe by the beatles i'm like oh okay but yeah that was kind of my i mean i like i vividly remember listening to the beatles and um having those the blue album or what or yeah, it's like it's, or, no, no it's it like, like the best of yeah, yeah it's it like the great but it's like album. there's like a blue and a red one like greatest yeah, hits because well, the blue is like i feel i, I think the blue 
it was like the seventies or like late sixties, seventies, and was, then the red was when they were was like their older or their older stuff in that it was like their first songs like please please me love me do stuff like that yeah yeah well anyway i mean that's kind of my like hit musical history with the beatles starting it from there um i listen to them every now and again now i mean i have sergeant peppers on um on vinyl and i really want magical mystery tour and like with the white album i would love to have on vinyl but um they're not my favorite band but i do that doesn't mean i don't enjoy their music yeah um you mentioned sergeant peppers it's kind of it's funny because i never actually listened to that album all the way through until like i don't know maybe two months ago really yeah wow. like all the way like i just sit down put it on the record player and just listen to it because then like I, I forgot songs that i absolutely love like um it's getting better that's probably like one of my favorite beatles songs because it's just so uplifting and it's so awesome uh even though like there are so many other great songs that's not saying that i just put uh that song on a pedestal it's like it's just of everything that one kind of hits a deeper tone with me but anyway i digress uh yeah that, that was just a funny thing i i hadn't really listened to sergeant peppers all the way through until two months ago oh okay well that's good that you find I'm, I'm glad that you've listened sat down and listened to the whole thing but um but yeah i kind of want let's get into this movie i really because i'm really i was really excited about this i think i i mentioned to you on the phone the other day when we were trying to set up this um I guess this this recording session that I was oh I'm really excited about this movie and and yeah well and we're gonna find out why but um so Brian I did, before we get into this and like kind of like a plot summary um I I want to know what your favorite song of this movie is uh, I, I have wrote, a, I have I top four I have a top four because I, I mean I, I could do that I could do that too. But I do remember writing. This is my favorite song in my notes. Just you talk about yours, and then I'll. Okay. Mine. Well, I thought long and hard about this, and my my top four because at one point I was like, all right, this is my favorite song, and but then I knew there was a definite tie for first. But so my my number one favorite song in this is "Happiness is a Warm Gun." Number two and three, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's going to be "Across the Universe." As number two, number three is all of my loving, and then number four would be Strawberry Fields. Okay. And the reason this order, like I, I would say, Happiness is a Warm Gun, is number one for like because it has the vocals and it has the visuals. Whereas Across the Universe is also vocals and visuals, but Strawberry Fields is more. I like the visual style. Yeah, I feel more. Like so that's why that was on there. Why? I mean, um, I just wanted to kind of preface yeah, that. You gave your top four. I found my favorite song, and I can also give a top four. My favorite song is Across the Universe, which that includes Across the Universe and the melding of Helter Skelter into that part of the uh -huh. song. Uh, I'm not a huge um, fan of Helter, Helter Skelter in general, but I really like both the movie and the Paul McCartney version. But, all, but I like how they meld it together in the movie, in the context of the film, which we'll get to that, and I'll explain why I love that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to... Okay, so that's one. Uh, well, if, you, if, if you're just going no, off the no, seat like, of your pants, it's fine, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Uh, okay, so I guess number two would probably be All My Loving, and then three would be... Uh, a Day in the Life, the guitar cover oh, yeah. of that. Um by Jojo, and uh, I guess number four, um, 
I'm trying to think, like, what, like, strikes me most about this movie. Uh, I already said all my loving. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I mean, Girl, is it's not four, but that just kind of, it just comes to, it comes to my head. Okay, well, so I'll I mean... I'll say Girl, so... Yeah, well, alright, let's... And that, that's a good segue, because that's the start of the film. Yeah, okay, so... What... Okay, so, Brian, what would you say the plot summary of this, of this film is? Um, just kind of give a baseline of just... Before yeah, we get into like just uh, what what okay. is this movie about? Uh okay so. I mean, when and die, you can always read the IMDb. Nah, that's no fun. I mean, it's it's a weird it's weird to skip a plot summary because it's it's like I feel like it's kind of like three different stories in one. Not even just from characters, but just in general. Or it's two, and then the middle is really different. But basically, uh, it is. I'm. It's the 1960s, uh, in the world, and. Jude wants to go to the United States to find his father. He goes there, meets a plethora of interesting characters, needless to say. One of them is Lucy, Lucy, excuse me, Lucy, and Lucy and Max. They they're they're brother and sister, so they come together. Uh Jude Jude uh, Jude and Max are kind of like the renegades in the system. They go to New York, they meet more people, even more crazy characters. Lucy reunites with them. Drugs happen. The story kind of just goes off the rails, crazy, uh, but it still means something in my opinion. And then, you know, it, eventually it climaxes to confrontations. Uh, relationships are broken, emotions are shared. Jude gets deported. He comes back, and the ending is a very powerful message of all. You, all you need is love, pretty much. That is the. Um, the thesis, the central idea of the film, all you need is love. Yes. And, I mean, I thought that was... I think like, that was the most roundabout, kind of... Yeah, it was fine. Way, it, was, it, was a, it was a good, it was a good um, intro this. to this I'm movie. I'm all about off-the-cuff. Fuck IMDb's summaries. Alright, well... So let's jump into this. Across the Universe, um, directed by Julie Taymor. Um, so, we get the opening, and it's an open... It's like a beach with one center figure and it's uh jim sturgis uh playing jude and and it opens up with girl and and man before well as as this is playing out i and this is going to be reiterated throughout the entire movie i love jim sturgis in the and his voice in this entire film and and there's one point in particular in this movie that really sells me but we'll get to that when it comes so anyway, um, Jude is sitting on the beach alone, singing "Girl," and it's a really a good intro to the whole story because Jude is opening with his story, and it's about a girl. He's talking about a girl that is so great, but it's really somber, in my opinion, and it's kind well, of even, like well, the song even in even in the interpretation of the Beatles, I always got it was this longing. It's let me tell you a story about this girl who like. Either I lost or broke my heart, and it's—I think it's a really good pull for the audience uh, because it, it tells the, those lyrics already just tell this is what the story is going to be about. This is what you're going to see. Yeah, and so uh, and his voice is amazing. Um, and so he's, he's singing about this, and then it immediately follows with into uh, Helter Skelter with the waves and. The violence flashed on the onto the on the crashing waves with the riots and Lucy and the book pages like the I would took that as like history uh, pages, and 
and this kind of introduces you to the visual style. Now, what I like about this movie is that it slowly introduces you. Like, like when you like you brought up Mr. Kite, and I said, oh, well, out of context, anyone would be like, well, what the fuck? And what I like about Julie Taymor in this movie is that she really slowly, gradually brings you to that psychedelic phase. And I and like this is kind of the intro to that. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I will say that's a good that's a good point because it is kind of a gradual sweep into the psychedelic phase of the movie. But then when you're in it, you're in it to stay. But um, what I was uh, what I love about these this these two songs is that uh, Julie Taymor seems to be like I haven't seen any of her other films or her stage play, the Spider Man stage on Broadway. I heard it was I heard it was at least. I mean, for Spider-Man, it was very good. Yeah, but so, I, but in just in terms of this film, she, Ju, Julie Taymor is kind of showing me that she has like this not mastery, but she definitely knows what she's doing when she embodies the show don't tell. Because, and I wrote this. What I love about the the, the opening song and sequence of Girl is that it doesn't convey, uh, really what's happening more of an emotion you know you get this feeling almost immediately um and then when it transitions in the helter skelter it shows all these images that happened in the past and i feel like we all we you kind of just intuitively know that is that this is this already happened just the way or even if it even if you didn't know that it's setting the stage for where they are at this point in the story it's saying like a lot of bad shit happened uh-huh. at this point in the story and then it kind of i i believe oh no never mind i'm thinking of earlier before but and then so from i think you can deduce from this part that you're going to be watching a flashback from how did we get to this point through these images that you're showing us and then it kind of it fades away like the the well it, it shows lucy just looking and you're saying well that's the girl whoever she is that's the girl and then it fades away into now we're kind of back in time and now we're you know we see this glowing disco ball well it's like a across the universe glimmers it's kind of in, uh, in it's shimmering ball. yeah it's yeah. It, in the mute and then it goes right into the what brian said the flashback and um you can continue there sorry i interrupt yeah well because well, then i i like how even the transitions between songs seem relatively smooth because it we played help we played already in the course of like a minute we played three songs. We we played Girl, Helter Skelter, and now we're just kind of thrown into uh, uh, what is it? Hold, Hold me, me tight. tight. Which is, and it's like two very different versions of the songs too, like different covers. It's like oh yeah, very whimsical, very not whimsical, but very mysterious, ominous with Girl. Helter Skelter's more uh, I guess like Hendrix rock you heavy, know what I mean? yeah yeah heavy and that would make sense because it's probably jojo who's playing the guitar in that part and he's hendrix yeah and then and then we get to uh hold me tight which is like a very energetic and it's vibrant. Like pop. it's like a pop yeah i mean i i enjoy it uh, yeah it's i mean i <laughs> i've it I, I mean like i said i took this as very energetic and vibrant and um and i think the note especially as this goes on that this movie goes with the style of the Beatles as they progress. So, like, the beginning, they're more clean-cut. I would say they're, like, quote-unquote normal songs. Like, you said, like, they were pop and, like, I guess more... I don't want to say mainstream, because the Beatles were very mainstream as they can... Even at their, like, drug-induced state. But, um... 
they were they were more traditional that's a better word and yeah. as time moves on with the beatles and this film drugs start to be introduced uh the strangeness uh starts to be noticed and one thing that i've noticed that like they become very unkempt like the hair grows out oh, yeah. uh, that's actually their, a really their, good point yeah their I never, style i never so, really noticed that i mean i think it's especially noticed with jude um yeah, well, and it's so like because... yeah, Jude is like the evolution of what the Beatles, the music. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really good point, and it makes sense because that's how the evolution kind of happened. Yeah, and it makes sense to put it in the story. Yeah, yeah, and so, so this, so across, so hold me tight. Um, this is like the homecoming. So and also it kind of sets like this, like I guess the time frame. So it's it's like I I took this as the homecoming dance. Um, I just yeah, I just took it as like prom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I took yeah homecoming I don't think dance. Prom in the sixties, but well, maybe. But anyway, so it's homecoming dance. Uh, our, I guess, lead uh, actress Lucy is having a great time uh, at her at her dance with her with her boyfriend. And she's just, it's just like great energetic music, and then it's and then it transitions to Jude in his um. Liverpool uh, like nightclub yeah. scene, kind of like where the girl. where the Beatles were would be playing. Well, yeah, I mean and they're so, in the background. If you if you didn't notice, that's them. Well, that's their version playing in the background. Same haircut, same yeah, costume, well, same everything. So. I took that as kind of like a homage to the Beatles. Yeah, well, I never... No, I, I'm not saying there was, that's the Beatles. I'm oh, saying that's yeah. obviously a homage. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so and I I really what I really like about this is that this captures the innocence of the t- of pretty much the the time and the two characters um hey, i wrote that down too yeah. yeah i mean just because like lucy is carefree she's having fun um it's kind of what like young people should be doing just not really having a candor world jude and his girlfriend and and and, the, and then obviously the people around him they're just having fun they're dancing uh well the liverpool guys they're drinking and and having fun and having their fun yeah it's 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 funny because i've been to both of those parties you know like we've been to the clean cut prom you know that was our prom in high school like we never and we never drank in high school or anything like that just for you know although just for reasons and we've been to that where it's like fun bright uh you know drug-free sober environment for parties and then i've i don't know about you but like I but college parties, you know how they are in some dark, dingy basement. Everybody's drinking. Well, you're you're in a fraternity, so. It's... But even still, it's just, and they're both fun. That they're kind of just both like that. Yeah, they have their they have their own. Um, yeah, but the, they're, their own they're like same the the same scenarios. It's just you know di- obviously different feelings, but I, I think it's funny because I think a lot of people we've all been in those situations in those different different. Um, circumstances before yeah but i mean i mean it captures the innocence and also i think this is a good i want to say hook but it's 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 just fun it's yeah like, it's, it's fun and it's energetic and it's a really good way to let the audience in um and so this also sets up to me that these characters are complex and more importantly real at least in this stage of the movie in that after after the song ends um Lu- well okay lucy and her boyfriend Daniel, I believe they, he's, he, in dialogue, it's found out that he was drafted into, or no, he volunteered, but he's, he's going to boot camp, and they're kind of talking about that, and they're both kind of unsure of what's to come, and then Jude, with them, same thing with Jude, yeah, well, they're, they're both separating, uh, well, because he's going to America, which you find out, and then, which which I love, 
during the dialogue exchange immediately after the song when uh Jude's girlfriend is saying like, "Well, who's gonna be there next week to take me out?" And then Phil is like, "Well, it better not be Phil Scully." And that's just like a that's something that's gonna pay off later. Yeah, I know. Uh, I noticed that as well. Yeah, and yeah. also, and then immediately after that scene, well, when they're in the dockyards, uh, when the guy who's saying like, "Oh, you're gonna miss this place," yeah, Jude, and he's like, "Yeah, don't count on a Phil." Yeah, but it's Phil Scully. That's kind of cutting ahead a little bit because I wanted to mention the uh, the dockyard scene. Because the scene always uh, struck me as it didn't really belong in this film. For whatever reason, it kind of looks different. It looks like it should be out of like a Band of Brothers kind of mi- like segment. Because it looks kind of too real for me. You know, I feel like I'm so used like to the saturated imagery of just drugs and you know craziness during the film that I think like it just guys working on a boat and for whatever reason it just seems kind of a little out of place but i mean it establishes that phil or phil that jude is a dock worker well i mean i got this as a few things one it was his way of getting to the united states because he was working on these barges and he knew so he could get he could secure passage and i also took this that he i I mean i have a hard worker i mean i have a hard worker but i mean i i mean maybe not that more of like a blue collar worker with an established life um and he's i have he's leaving but he wants to leave like he's not he's not reluctant at all he wants to get the hell out of liverpool and exceed the world well mostly find his father i don't think he doesn't want to see the world he just wants to find his father i think he just wants to get out of liverpool because I, I always got that it was just purely to see his father, just to see that they existed, and then because Jude uh, met Max and Prudence and Lucy that he stayed. Okay, but I well, feel like his original intention was to just find his father. Well, I agree with that, but I also think that he wasn't really re- planning on returning just for the fact that um, when Phil asked him, are you going to miss this place, he says, don't count on it. I took that as, oh, oh he's yeah. not going to come I back. Forgot a- well, I feel like... He was just saying that, like, you're going to miss it when you leave, so you're going to come back. And I feel like Jude was just like, eh, no, I'm not going to miss it, even though, like, I'm going to come back. I don't know. Um, it does That really doesn't ultimately matter, because he just decides to stay anyway. Yeah. But I, I like, what I also really like about this film is that it's not really subtle at, at some times, but how they kind of just sneak in little cameos of each little song even even if it's through like name references cuz like we've i if you couldn't guess already every single main character is named after a song we got max after yeah max, i was, was, was going yeah Hammer, i was going to bring that up Jude, it was max Prudence, jojo uh whoever um but what i like about this is when uh jude is getting his like pay card or um like he's clocking out the guy was saying you know uh, when I'm 64, oh, yeah. I'll be long gone from this place. You know, it's from the song "When I'm 64." Mm-hmm. I just like that. I, I caught that little nod. That good, like deep, deeply appreciative fans will get these references. That's why I yeah. like it because it's more. It adds more to the film. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, I I, I picked something like that seems like familiar. Like when I remember I was watching that and I picked that up. But uh, yeah, I do really like these new. Well, because some of them aren't nuanced, but I really do like the nuanced things that, especially with all the cat character, like the main characters have some relation to like a Beatles song. Um, I think Jude is a little too on the nose, but um, it works. I'll give it that. Wait, what do you mean? Like Jude, Hey Jude. I don't know. I feel like it's too obvious where Max, like Maxwell Silver Silver Hammer, is a little is not 
as noticeable if that makes sense i don't know if i'm what i'm saying makes sense but no i think i know like you're just talking about in terms of their names it's yeah just like it's a little too on the nose with hey jude i mean i think when we finally hear the song it works perfectly so i mean yeah it, you know what i mean yeah anyway so um yeah and through this this whole bit we find out that he's looking for someone through the pictures and kind of again more complex and real problems like more motivations and then we transition to one of my favorite songs, All My we Loving. We also find Wait. out that Jude... We find out why... Like, we've mentioned that he's going to the United States to find his father. We forgot to mention the scene where he goes... Like, he talks to his mom, his mom's busy, and then he takes photos of his father. Uh, which shows that he's looking for somebody. Even if you don't know who that oh, is. Oh, yeah, that's what I, I was My first go-around, I was just like, who the hell is that? What 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 is this? Like I thought it, Jude was stealing from his mother uh, before. I thought he was just like taking money, and I was like, "What a piece of shit!" When I first saw <laughs> it. Uh, but then we find out it's just it's a it's a motive. So anyway, keep going. Yeah. So um, leading up to all my loving, he's with his girlfriend, kind of like a last goodbye, and she's as any person would. It's like, oh well, like you're not like you're gonna like kind of like you're gonna leave me like. Um, I don't know if you're going to be faithful and he's trying to console her. And I, and I think he genuinely means he's oh, like, he don't does. worry. He like I, uh, I'm, I'm okay. Like, don't worry. I'll be back soon. All right. And then they sing all my loving and I love his voice and it's great. And I think this shows more innocence and Jude really means well. Like, I don't think he's trying to be, he doesn't, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't have the intentions of going to the United States and like hooking up with, with anyone. Um, at least, at first and so um and i think it's good that as judah's leaving daniel is leaving yeah. and um i just think it's a kind of a good it, it's kind of just parallel and um it's a good way to kind of transition hit to get the transition going from him being in the united going to the united states but it also sets a prudence and um i mean i don't know if you had anything to say about all my love before um, we get the prudence uh, I, f I had something to say about All My Loving. Uh, oh, I feel like um, a, a lot of elements in this movie could have... If anybody else did this, I feel like it could have been messed up. Uh, it, it wouldn't have played like it's supposed to play. I feel like when we watch movies like Moulin Rouge, where they, they just take kind of random songs and just put it in there and, like, shoehorn it into the movies because, like, oh, it it's ironic because it fits the, 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 the sequence perfectly. Like, I mean, like, uh, you know in the scene when, uh, what's her name? The girl, the, like, femme fatale in uh, Moulin Rouge is dying, and then the, uh, Professor Slughorn from Harry Potter, I can't remember his name. He's a great actor. It's Jim something. He sings the show must go on, and it's like that felt like really forced. Whereas in Across the Universe, I feel like because you know what this kind of movie is, and you know it's like it's the Beatles, it's the spirit of the Beatles. That I feel like in any other capacity, some guy singing "All My Loving" to his girl, like right before he leaves, would kind of be played off as like cheesy. But it totally works in well, this film. I think the issue, I think what's great now that I think about it with Julie Taymor in this is that she knows. Because, like, uh, uh, some songs like Blackbird and All My Loving and, um, oh, shit, um, A Day in the Life, they're not played 
their full length. They're kind of like half the song or a portion of it. Well, cause well, I and I think that's that's effective here. Whereas in Moulin Rouge, as long I mean, also along with he's mashing a lot. Um, Boz Lerman was mashing all these different songs together, but he also played out the whole song. So it just kind of in my opinion, some songs overstayed their welcome, and it just got way too much. Um, I, feel, I feel like every... First off, I'm going to go on record, I like Moulin Rouge. This yeah, me too. Like we'll probably get to it, it at one point. I, even, I feel like because uh, these were real songs, like, when you when you adapt them for theatrical purposes, even, like, Sweeney Todd did this. They, they took the original material and then kind of just boiled it down to the song's essence. And it's, it's more of just being a layman and kind of conveying what you're trying to convey without being so long-winded about it. It's like, we get it. Like, he's going away. And, you know, we, we, we know what we're supposed to feel when we listen to these songs. So, and I, and I, think, and I feel like Ju- Julie Taymor, like, really does a great job of balancing the line between what to say, what not to say, and what to show. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think she does a good job of knowing when to cut the song and what segment of the song to use. Or if it's like, play the whole song play the whole song, and she knows how to do that Which very well. I believe well. she does with this next song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. I mean, granted, I Want to Hold Your Hand isn't, like, necessarily a very, uh, it's not really necessary. it's, like, it's a lot of, uh, chords, and, or choruses, and, like, the main, uh, I forget what it's called in the song, but there's, there's the chorus, and then there's, like, the main riff, and, they, and that always repeats a lot, so I feel like, I mean, it, I, I believe she used the entire song for I Want to Hold Your Hand. Yeah, and it's like... It's not really a long song either, so... I mean, I'm kind of, I don't really know what to think about I Want to Hold Your Hand, because Prudence to me is a pretty, like, I don't really get what her character is supposed to be. I mean, other than, like, add another element to this cast. I mean, TV Carpio, or Car- Carpio, I think that's her name. I guess, yeah. I'm just gonna call her Prudence from, from here on, but yeah, she, yeah, yeah. like, she's a very, I, I like her, but... The character of Prudence, I'm just kind of tr- having trouble finding, like, the purpose of her. I mean, well, well, and this whole, like, this segment, it's not my least favorite, but because I really like, because she has an amazing voice. Um, she, I think the um, choreography of this whole, this is when I, like, I have this in my notes. Um, the choreography, this is when it really kind of starts. And I think the camera work is, this is when it really starts to be its own thing. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I don't really know what to think about this segment. It's like, it's, it's well done. I just don't really see its purpose. Well, I mean, like, I, I, I totally agree, because Prudence, as a character, always kind of struck me as a little off in the film. But at the same time, she makes sense, because you can't have a movie set in the Cultural Revolution and the Beatles without having a character that questions their sexuality. Like, that was just a... a cultural hallmark of that time period and uh, so at the same time so like at the same time i feel like you need to have that i feel like she's so shoehorned into the story that she doesn't she has like really no motivations she doesn't really have like an arc yeah when she falls out like what when she falls out of the story you're just like oh okay and then she just comes back like it's like her presence isn't really missed if she's not there and when she's there she just kind of is like another body but she has lines like that makes sense i feel like she bought the studio a few more songs like like this song and dear prudence i feel like those songs she added but she i mean she also was like this really good energy to the film. I love seeing her when she's in the film, but like she's totally I, I, 
in essence, she's totally useless, because like you said, there's a segment of like 30 minutes where she just disappears, and they don't say anything about it. I didn't really even notice it. And then and then it's like, fuck it, she's back in the story. Yeah, it's a drop, it's a drop line of like, oh, where'd she go? And then she's just in the in the movie again and it's like no explanation it's it's totally like nonsensical but i like that's totally the point but yeah i mean i going back to the song though uh yeah tv carpio has an amazing voice i i love seeing her in this movie even if she doesn't really have a purpose or point other than just to be the sexual experimentations of the late 60s uh but in terms of how's this song goes i mean it's kind of just another uh, I guess pit stop of songs in this movie. It, it really has nothing to do with the story other than just introduce uh, Prudence. Yeah, and also and, she like runs away from home. Yeah, but uh, like I said earlier, this kind of really I feel like this is when Julie Taymor really shows off her camera skills and and the choreographer because yeah. I love my favorite shot of this whole thing because for the most part it's a really not not much goes on i mean she's looking she's like giving longing eyes to like um well it's it's, it's uh, uh, the cheerleader yeah because it's it's at a high school yeah it's it's played to be like is who she looking at is she looking at the The, and the the whole and the whole time uh the movie this is what i don't really like about the movie it's trying to be like oh like it's trying to be uh uh cryptive about what it's saying even though it's like so obvious what it's trying to say, you know what I mean? Because in every instance that they say, uh, like, oh, is she a lesbian? It's there's always like a guy and a girl in the in the in the shot that she's like projecting her like desire for. But at the same time, it's not uh, it's not um, it's not uh, overt at, in any capacity. You're always like she's looking at the girl she's a lesbian yeah or at least has feelings for this girl even in the sequence uh for jojo and uh what's her sadie name? sadie it's like it's supposed it's supposed to play like oh is she after jojo but it's sadie we all know oh, yeah that. i never once got that and in, in this it's like at first it's like oh is she looking at the like the football cat and like kind of stereo like stereotypical yeah. but then he walks away and it's like a dead centered focus of the cheerleader and then there's a lot of other i believe there's other like close-ups and focuses on her so it's pretty clear who she's talking about and then and then she walks down the field well yeah and i was gonna get to this this is like my favorite part of like part of this segment is that she's walking towards the camera through the practice and it's like kind of like ballet that makes it's it's a very it's yeah it's like ballet they're just like guys are um, like the football players are going out and doing their drills and they're like flipping each other over and it's like to the music, but it's very, it's very, it has a nice fluidity to it. Yeah. Cause, and it, cause it, you watch it and you're saying, and you don't even like you see it, but you don't see it. Cause it's something that like, Oh, only in this universe, this could happen. That football choreography is like a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it works. It A lot of, a lot of, like I said before, a lot of variables could like totally just fall flat and flop but i feel like julie Taymor pulled off a lot of it very well yeah and i feel like this works it's, it's interesting. like it's i fun. think the the collaboration between the choreographer and julie Taymor and the dp and the, the cinematographer like ev- like ev- like yeah. everything just went very I mean, well together i mean that that's a good film right there all yeah. these elements coming together for something spectacular yeah so, so and Oh man, I wish we kind of talked about the behind the scenes stuff because I mean, now that I think about it, 
because we when we had this on DVD, we had like the kind of two disc and the special. Which I've seen. I've seen the special edition like at least five times. Oh, like this or the special features. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and I guess kind of like we can I can briefly mention it, is that this film seems like everyone like I think the chemistry of everyone is so real and naturalistic, which I, I think I have notes on that, but. Oh, I think especially when it comes to Max and Jude, but I I think it feels so natural because it is natural, and that whenever um the direct whenever Julie Taymor and the music directors and the musicians were working with the actors, everyone there's always a smile on someone's face, and there's it it just seems really close and, so and personal. Yeah. yeah, and it just seems like like whenever, especially like at the end when Hey Jude, when Max and Jude meet again and they seem happy to be together, it's yeah, like, it like feels genuine, genuine because it most likely is genuine. So, yeah, I, and I think that's one of the reasons this movie is so successful is because the chemistry between all of the actors and and the crew is just well, so, so powerful. Yeah, I totally agree. Because something I noticed when I wa- whenever I watch the special edition is that or the special features is that. Uh, Julie Taymor just brings like this natural energy, like aura around her, and that translates into the film because she—that's just her. I feel like I would love to meet her and uh, and just talk because she yeah. seems like such a uh, such an individual and an energy. Yeah, like I said, an energy that just kind of it translates really well into this film, and I think we all feel it. And I feel like that's why like it resonates with a lot of people because of the chemistry and and because of the inherent energy that you kind of just feel it you don't need to acknowledge it but you feel it yeah uh, so yeah and so getting i mean digressing getting back to the the, the film after the the whole i want to hold your hand prudence runs away and it's and this is coupled with jude making his way to princeton so they're both hitchhiking um jude so prudence gets into like a big tractor trailer and then jude uh he's hitchhiking and i think it's a, a kind of like a funny side bit that um he goes to go around to get into the passenger seat but then oh, he and yeah. then he realizes he's in America and he's like I, I've seen this movie for forever and I never once put that together that he like fucked up what side of the driver it, it's like it's on. such a small detail and he's just like he goes around he's like oh yeah I got to go on this side it, it's, I mean it's so small and we're probably making it like a bigger thing than it really is no, but that, it's something cool. that we lo- enjoy and then we really like got i'm like oh is he just gonna get in the back seat and i was like oh ha 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 like my bad and then we get in the front like oh i never really saw that damn that's cool yeah so yeah other than that so and then jude makes his way to princeton this is where we got our intro to max and this is max is my favorite character tied with jude so jude and max are my two favorite characters this whole this whole film and and he's introduced as a bumbling. I took him as like a frat dude, a frat guy. Um, yeah, I know. I know a few Maxes. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And so um, he's like kind of stumbling around, dropping his books, and he and Jude just kind of happenstance run into run into one another, literally. And um, Max kind of points off, "Oh, well, this is the dude." You're, well, because Jude asks him who, whatever his father's name is, and Max points him out as one of the janitor. So. And then Jude goes up to him and says, oh, like, I, are you, uh, I, forget, I think something Hubert. And it's, like, it's like Wesley Hubert. But like, yeah. I think the, the point is, it's like, well, they found each other. And, and I mean, it's, it's, and, yeah, and they, it's kind of like an awkward, well, it's with the father. He's like, oh shit, like, this is my, 
I guess this is because at first he dismisses him like, no, you're you're kidding. You're not my son. And then he says, well, my mother is Martha Feeney. And then he's like, oh, oh, shit. And then they go and he and he, t- and he shows him the pictures. And what I really like about this is Judah is really matter of factly and he's stern, but he's also really hard. He seems like he's annoyed. I don't want to say so much angry, but he just seems really annoyed. Um, and it's I feel like this is a very real interaction and in that. It's just it's 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 not like a oh my long lost son or my long lost dad. It's just I'm your well, it's son. Like, yeah, it's like you. Now we know we and exist. he he kind of like yeah. he kind of what I what I like is that Jude he 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 isn't there to kind of be like you're an ass or anything, but he does kind of put him in his place. Um, my favorite line from this interaction is, um, well the, the the his father asked, oh did she find any or. Uh, oh, I think he said, oh, I wish I knew. And he's like, oh, what, would you, you wouldn't have come back. And my favorite line is, you can excuse a bastard by saying his dad was killed in the war. And it kind of is like, kind of puts that reality and puts everything in perspective for um, a Jew's father. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then, well, I mean, it, it, I think it, it, it sets up that you know, Jude got what he was looking for, and then and then also gives him a reason to meet Max, and so that and then, so then we get to the next sequence where their Max is with his uh, his uh, his buddies and they're playing golf on the roof or like just shooting or you know swinging away uh, with bottles and stuff and even like that chemistry that dynamic that all those friends share you don't know who any of these people are but I I always got that it's like oh well like they're friends they're real like. Obviously, they're friends in the movie, but you just kind of feel that. Yeah. That they kind of, you don't really, you they're don't know. They're not actors, what, they're people. Yeah, and, um, and then it pretty much, you know, it, it goes to show, and then the show's further Max's rambunctiousness in that his He's a free spirit. Like, yeah, he's a free spirit, like he, he not, he hits the golf ball through the, the guy's window, and the guys chase him, and then Max and Jude officially meet. Yeah, and they Jude, um, his buddies take off, and Max just kind of tries to hide, and Jude takes him pretty much like the underground like pipes back to where he's staying for I guess the night or like a few days, and they Max and Jude immediately hit it off. I like their witty back and forth, um, all like you're hiding from the cops, like what's wrong, and then Jude says, oh well, it looks to me like you're the one who's running, and um, I I like it's like oh what would, what would you have done if if they caught you, he's like, I don't know, something involving genitalia and shoe polish. Like, that. that's kind of funny to me. Yeah. Um, um, and then, well, then they, they say, like, I'm Max, I'm Jude, and then he said, well, like, uh, you know, let's let's show you some Ivy League hospitality, and... Uh, toss him a flask. Yeah, toss him a flask, and then and then you hear the, the grungy, you know, uh, guitar kind of start the, the play. It's like a grungy acoustic guitar, and, and then we get into... Uh, a really, really good version. Rendition, of, yes. Yeah, of uh, with a little help from my friends. Yeah, and I think this is just another fun segment. It kind of reminds me of Hold Me Tight, but uh, this is more fun. <laughs> um, because it's a really... I think it's more fun to me because we can relate to this probably more you than me, but in, in our own ways, uh, we relate to this heavily. And because we're young... Because like, this is like just young college guys... Um, and also the performances are great from 
from the supporting characters and due to Max, I think it's just really lighthearted and it captures like the vibe of college for well, yeah, for at least like, me. And it's, it's just guys, yeah, it's just guys hanging out, drinking beer, chasing tail. Like it's 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 fun, um, but also there's a lot of metaphors in this movie too, and a lot of visual kind of cues, and especially the whole, especially in this song in particular, the whole get high with a little help from my friends. Uh, it's a lot more of, like, metaphorical high, uh, but they show it, well, because there's that sequence where they're saying, like, oh, you know, have this beer, and then they, like, light a joint, but I always, and I never really knew what they were doing when I was, I was like, what the fuck, because there isn't a joint, they're supposed to be smoking a joint. Yeah, but they're, and, like, and, mimicking and, but, it. Well, Ju- Julie Taymor said, like, well, we couldn't have them smoke a joint, so it's like, well, what better to have it than, like, a metaphorical high? I always thought they were like smoking a roach or something. Well, yeah, because it's 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 uh it's it's no, you it's, can it's, easily it's... get that because you never really it's I don't know because it's it's all because of the smoke. Well, no, that that it's supposed to be a metaphorical joint. They're not actually. Smoking oh yeah, a joint. yeah, but I mean, uh, I could see why someone would think that they're actually smoking because like they're passing them this metaphorical joint around, saying, "Oh, you're gonna get high with your friend or." get high with a little help from your friends and they pass it to they pass it to jude and jude kind of like oh plays along and then max like they're jumping around and and someone lands on his back and that he expels smoke out so when like if you didn't really understand what's going on you're like oh they're actually smoking so yeah yeah um yeah i feel you yeah but i mean just Moving on, I mean, it is a lighthearted, lighthearted scene. It's kind of building chemistry between Max and Jude, um, which is what I think this, and it's also really fun, um, and energetic. So I think that's really the purpose of this. Like, it doesn't really add too much other than just chemistry, and it shows the characterization of Max and that he's just kind of doesn't really have a care in the world, and um, Jesus going, Jude is just going along with it, and so after this segment. Uh, do you have anything to add to a little hope for my friends other than it's really awesome the performances are great uh yeah that's it uh, nothing else to add yeah so we kind of immediately get into our next song with it won't be long with it, it transitions to Lucy and she's talking with one of, I mean I don't know if this is important but she's talking with one of her friends about never having kids um because it's narcissistic and kind of pretentious in my eyes this doesn't but, um, like when I see this scene, this 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 scene like this dialogue exchange I still don't get it like I still think it's really stupid and it, and it's like pulled straight out of left field that like because when when the shit that Lucy says in this scene it, a it is never spoken of again b it it like has nothing to do with the character of Lucy not Lucy having kids and having like a a, a nuclear family is never ever discussed in the film again and it just and it's like it just like sounds like straight bullshit, you know? It's I mean, like oh, it's, like I hate, I hate this scene. It's, it's, I it's mean, so uh, stupid. I think it's just one way. It just, it's kind of like oh, you can't just transition immediately. So I think it's like kind of that weird, like okay, we need something in here because it's, it's odd because it just immediately goes in and they're like gossiping, uh, Lucy yeah, and her that, friend, that, and they're like, like oh, I can't believe like she did that, and I was like, and then she's like, oh, I'm never having children. I'm like, wait, what? So I don't know. I assume that one of the friends had sex or something, well, and I, then I, that's fine because like that's what high school kids do. But the fact that she's like, oh, it's like putting carbon copies of each other out. It's pure narcissism, and it's like, 
I, I never really understood why she was saying that. And then and then the conversation ends on this like weird cliffhanger where it's like, well, what about adoption? And yeah, they just it's, stand it's there like this weird it's this weird like, pause of like a like kind of like oh reflect on what was said. I'm like, well, there's no context leading up to it, so I'm like, what the hell is like what is this? And then it immediately jumps into it won't be long, so I guess and then it's never addressed again. So I guess well, it's I just feel like I feel like this kind of uh this react like whatever this dialogue was talking about i feel like this was kind of something i because i think I, the way i'm interpreting it with the script it was that julie Taymor like read through scripts found a script that she liked and then got with the screenwriters who wrote it and said let's adapt this into a movie with Beatles songs and then from that i feel like this exchange was something that was uh in the original like raw unadapted screenplay that just kind of got left in. That's what hmm. I feel like. There's no, there's nothing, uh, like, uh, like tangible that can back me up on this. But I feel like this yeah. happened. I mean, that, I mean, that could have been. I always thought that this screenplay was written just like, oh, let's make, let's like, let's make a film about like the like a Beatles songs. And I always thought Julie Taymor took songs, and then kind of like how we how we write like shorts is that we think of a song and then we write a scene around it. And and then you go from there. And I always thought that that's what Julie Taymor did, but with like Beatles songs. No, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like she did. Well, she definitely like played around with the story. I feel like and did that. But because uh, when you look at the screenwriters, it's just two British guys. And I, I feel like the way they were talking about the story is that they wrote it first, and then Julie Taymor. Julie Taymor came to them. Oh. But regardless, it, the point being is that this scene makes no sense. Yeah, that, like, 30-second segment is pointless. But, yeah. it, so we go into It Won't Be Long, another upbeat song. Um, I always took this that it's, like, that naiveness with being young, like, the, the naive nature of being young. And it just, it just kind of allows Lucy or Evan Rachel Wood to really show off her talents. Um... Like, because she's an amazing... I think this is, like... Other than... A, other than Hold Me Tight, where it's... It's, uh... It's not just her. She's... she It's, uh... She's with Jude's girlfriend, and then the band playing. It's not just her. But you can hear her the loudest. But she's... But this is where it's... It's, it's, a, it's her solo. It's her first solo. And she does a very good job of being a really good free spirit. And, and she's happy. As any... 18 17 or 17 18 year old in this time should be like she's a boyfriend she's she seems to be very popular and she's from a well-off family and i don't know it's it's, it's very it's just it's very energetic i really like the style or not, not so much the style but i just like evan rachel wood and her voice here and it's just very innocent it's very simple. It's very simple. It's not, there's not much going on. It's just her being excited that her boyfriend has leave. It, it's just showing that the characters are like getting closer and closer, coming together. Because then in that same song, it has Jude and Max um, riding for Thanksgiving. Yeah, going home for Thanksgiving. Yeah, and so after the song, um, Jude and Lucy finally meet, uh, like Brian said, for Thanksgiving, and it's it's kind of a weird introduction with lucy to, to jude because she she Again, she, she like she, she, has, like, she, she just weird... i think it, i don't know it's like i think they're trying to say that she's like really 
Not like, she's like she is. Uh, she's very I don't know worldly, and that like, she knows yeah, what's going true. on. Like cultured, and that like she's aware of what's going. I oh yeah, it's like oh well, it's like she. I, took again, it as, like, I always took this as being trite. Like yeah, yeah. Well, like oh, like Thanksgiving is a holiday celebrating genocide. I'm like oh god, like here yeah, we go. Like, and I'm like oh come on, like let's let's just be real here and just shut the fuck up about that whole. Like, but she's like she's like joking like, about it, so it's. It's like but one of those, still, like, yeah, like the fact it's, that it's said. It's dumb, uh, but I also like before that whole interaction is that like Jude and Max are just kind of sitting there, and what is Max doing? He's freaking, he's scoping out high school chicks, which I know guys who would do that here too. It's like just kind of, it's funny, like he's like, oh look at that one, look at that girl, and then Jude's kind of just sitting there. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, and then Jude, Jude and Lucy meet officially, and then we get to the Thanksgiving. Dinner. Yeah, which just has a lot of especially or uh, family tensions, especially against Max. And I always took this, especially this, like my most recent viewing, as kind of like the upper class elitist versus like hippies, for lack of a better term. And Max is the hippie, or like that generation, uh, or like the woods, like the Woodstock generation. Oh, yeah, that's how I took that. Well, it's definitely how it's supposed to be set up, mainly through their dialogue exchange. Yeah, and especially like their, their ideologies are completely different and like yeah. how the un- uncles and parents feel as compared to how max feels yeah what what you do defines you versus who you are defines what you do and uh i love how jude is just kind of in the middle just oh, yeah. like well he also doesn't want to take sides it's, it's like an awkward position that they just like throw him involved like he's obviously trying not to get involved he's just trying to be like a passive observer and then the and then max just kind of throws him like oh yeah you're like i'm right Right, and then he kind of just says a generally neutral statement, which is fine. I think it was a good way to de-escalate yeah. it. And then, and then, and then, and then dinner's over, and then, and then it shows how Ju- uh, Jude and Lucy kind of have their first like personal exchange. Yeah, their first which, moment, which you can kind of see that like already. I think it's like such a sweet and tender moment. It's like when they have they're just talking, and then it's kind of like very evenly flowing, you know, it's not, nothing's really forced, and then, it's funny, because, like, Jude makes uh, Lucy laugh, and then he says, uh, like, oh, you have, like, perfect teeth, but it, like, in, like, the most, uh, genuine way, and it's, like, so cute and sweet that it's, like, you can see, like, Lucy's heart just kind of, like, melt, she's not, like, in love with him yet, but she's, like, oh, my God. Like, she, yeah, she thinks he's cute, and it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a cute exchange, I mean, and it's one of those, Natural, because he's not like, oh yeah, your eyes are beautiful. It's just like, and it's kind of, it's natural because where he's from, from England, especially at that time, their teeth are like he mentions it, their teeth aren't very good. It's like that's like the stereotype. You look at Austin Powers, yeah, like that is like the British stereotype of like how they look and act. Yeah, but it's like it's like like not. It's like oh, your teeth are straight. It's like oh, have you heard of braces? And he's like, yeah, we use them to keep our our trousers up or our pants up, and then. I mean, it's just very, it's very, it's, a, it's just a nice touching scene. And then we get into the next scene. And this is where, like, Jude, get, or Lucy gets into Jude's head. And then we get into, I've seen a face because, um, well, Max comes out. He's very, he's pissed off about the family dinner and things like that because he was just kind of outed. And so he's like, oh, we got to get him out of here. Like, this is boring. So they go to a bowling alley. And this is where I've they seen say, a face yeah, fuck comes it, in. dude. Let's go bowling. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and again, I keep saying it's energetic and it's more fun, well, but this is when the the 
the visuals, in my opinion, get really yeah, like this is what cinematic and well, not get even very cinematic. visual. It, this is, yeah, this is when it gets trippy. Oh, I meant this. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant and, to like, say the cinematography is something that no, really well, yeah, it. that like just like the whole overall presentation of the visuals. Yeah, the cinematography. It's like I wrote this too. It's like the introduction is like to the trippy and choreographed visuals to the movie, and it could, because like up until now it's been very straightforward, simple. Even, like, the color palette has been relatively simple. No, no, like, bright flashing colors and, like, no, uh, you know, extravagant dance choreography besides with Dear Prudence. But even that wasn't, like, uh, I guess, unorthodox or, like, different. It was just kind of, like, a cool visual. But nothing on, like, the, the sense of, like, that everybody is now involved in what is happening uh, in terms of, like, everybody around Jude is involved in these weird, uh, just, like, dance numbers. I mean, what I took from this, like you said, the color palette wasn't anything too extravagant, but to me, it's it's warm colors. Uh, like well, now, earth- now it's getting like. Well, no, no, no. Even from the beginning, it was more like warm, earthly. Nothing was too hard, but nothing was well, like yeah, like it, nothing. It, it was just a very. It's like fall color. It's like earthly tones. Um, lots of browns, lots of tans, uh, greens. Yeah, um, and now it's and now it's getting no, like, it, it, I would rainbow. say neut- neutral colors. I would say like it, it. They're not. They're not expressing one emotion over the other. It's just kind of mellow, and I think that's like my my physical mood changes because of well what's going on, but also the color palettes. Which because I, I have to I have the color palette is about to completely change, um, and that so yeah this is like flashing colors and uh, this is when Tamor's style really is coming out. Um, and again, it's, it's that gradual shift into kind of over the top, like visually stimulating, um, images. And so, I mean, and I've seen a face, Jim Sturgis, another really good rendition. Um, it's a, it's a faster tempoed song and, but this, this bit sets up that, uh, Max, well, I think he mentioned at the dinner that he's dropping up and now he's like, okay, we're going to New York. And she's like, all right, I'll go along with you. And, um, and so they go to New York as the song is ending. And what, this is what I noticed is that the style is about to, so the color palette changes. So like, it's a lot darker colors. So lots of grays, blacks, dark browns, um, things like that, like kind of city scape, um, images or uh, images, colors, but it also, the style goes from very clean cut to starting to get dirty as as like a suburb to like a clean suburb to a dirty city so uh yeah so that's what i took and then it's you get your in- introduction to sadie um i like her personality and i like her and i like her her uh free spirit nature kind of like a hippie well, actually like she is a keep, hippie we keep saying free spirit i feel like we need to stop saying that uh i, guess I like just, how independent she is yeah i mean i guess i'm just using free spirit as a lack of just a better term that i can think of but um I just I, I like how spontaneous she seems, and I don't know spontaneous. Yeah, uh, I think she's a little spontaneous. No, but... I think no spontaneous is Max. That's Sadie, true. Sadie's uh, strikes me as like this like sexy you know mysterious light, eh. but not not in the sense that she's like a prostitute. That she's just as like a rocker. You know what yeah, because I mean? that's what she is. She's just you know not a rock star, but yeah, and. She is played by, where I'm gonna butcher her name, Dana Fuchs. Uh, I'm sorry. Fuchs, I don't know. 
but see, I like I like her now. Apparently, uh, Julie Taymor wrote this role or one of the cast this role specifically for her. So I guess she had seen her because she's she's a musician first in real life. She's a musician first and an actress second, and so. I, I like her as a person, but her musical styling, I guess we'll get into that later. It's not it's really, really, really heavy. It's yeah, it's not, it's, it's like a, it's like a heavy, I'd say, uh, like soulful type, but it's yeah, not really I for me. Like, like, soulful. Yeah. I mean, she gets into it. It's but, passionate, but not like soulful. Yeah. But anyway, so I like, I like, I like the character, but her music. Yeah. So and then they say, oh, okay, we're in New York. I'll pay you. I'll pay you your rent. Or Jude says to Max, I'll pay you your rent as soon as I get the money. And they're all really excited. And then this is when the tone starts to really, in my opinion, change completely with Let It Be. Now, this this to me, like I just mentioned, huge shift in tone. And that this goes from carefree to like reality is now hitting in that. Daniel is killed in combat in Vietnam, and then we get the Detroit, Detroit ride. These are the two main, I guess, images that we get, and we get complete chaos with funeral images. And and also here we're in, we're introduced to Jojo and his and his brothers being killed. Who is um, it opens up with the riots and it's a child singing like Let It Be. Very is very talented young man in this segment. Uh, the best part, in my opinion, though, is the gospel um, singers because, especially the the lead, she belts it. And this is I love listening to gospel, like really soulful um, gospel because this is this is because it's, it's I just love it. it's so passionate and it's so beautiful, really, and. I mean, what I have to say about the segment is not my favorite part of the film, but the images are so gripping and powerful, and coupled with the gospel singer and and the little brother, like that that reveal is just so like it kind of like takes my breath away when I've when I when you every time I see it, whenever it's uh like a slow pan up, and it has the brother in the coffin because it, it, leading up to those people le- going filing to the church and everyone's. Uh, upset and there's a coffin but when it shows it's the reveal of the child I'm like oh man that's like, so upsetting and then um, it's it's coupled with Lucy at Arlington or I'm assuming it's Ar- no it wouldn't be Arlington at the cemetery um, with her family and watching uh, her boyfriend's mother just breaking down and I just think it's a very beautiful segment altogether mm-hmm. yeah yeah I agree um... yeah yeah, I, I mean, I really like that scene because uh, it's also uh, an introduction to JoJo, gives him a reason why he comes into the fold. Um, I feel like, and I, also because that was also uh, the the. I, I'm assuming this is uh, the early '60s now, because we said it was take place in the '60s, but I don't really know when. I'm assuming like '64, where at the height of like racial tension uh, and the uh, the movement and. Because this this happened, obviously. Uh, so I, I, I feel like uh, if you're trying to make a movie that in, that encapsulates everything that uh, that that there was about the the 60s in this time period of the Cultural Revolution, you have to have this in there. Not saying it was like obligatory, but it's necessary. Um, 
and yeah. that like also knowing that was, th- amongst everything that this loss did exist and it occurred. Yeah, I was gonna say it's 1967. So. Oh, it's 67. Okay. Yeah. Oh. And uh, yeah, so JoJo, um, this is him making his way into. It's kind of his reason for leaving Detroit and coming to. Um, it just gives New I York. Think it, it just gives depth to the character of JoJo. Already, yeah, it's kind of like just, it's kind of he starts off with like loss. Yeah, and he never really discusses it in the well, film. And that makes sense. It's kind for of like. like a, well, I was gonna say that makes sense for his kind of character, um, because like he he's like the blues guy, he is the uh, he's the Hendrix of the of the of the movie. Obviously, that that's a it's a very clear parallel, um, and so it it just shows because like the whole idea behind blues is that. Um, I, I actually I watched I we were, me and Mike before this this uh, episode were talking about movies we were watching and I, I said I mentioned I, I I was watching this documentary this documentary by Les Blank called The Blues According to Lightning Hopkins and the guy he's this really good blues artist and this guy basically said that blues comes from anything uh, like any type of emotion or feeling you have the blues and it's supposed to like convey the sense of emotion so i feel like this is this really suits that it happened to jojo just going off of who he is especially his style of music that is being portrayed in this film towards him so it, it, it i think it really it go, it's a good it's a good way of introducing him through loss so yeah mike yeah 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 it's um yeah, I, I, I agree, but um, that's really all I had to say about that segment. And like, I think we should moving on. It it immediately goes into uh, when he's in when he when JoJo yeah, arrives in New York, and with come together, and it kind of brings the spirits up from that very wholly depressing segment. Beautiful but depressing segment. Oh, it also showed that uh, Lucy's boyfriend died. I yeah, mention that. Yeah, no, I mentioned that. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. And so, um. So the come together is very bright, vibrant, and I I, I like the choreography with um with like the business people and things like that. I mean, I, again, this is kind of a segment that I'm mad about. I think the big thing is that I think the night nightlife, like the prostitutes and the pimp, I think that's just too much, and I'm just kind of, it, I just kind of have a mad reaction to it. I think the Times Square stuff is really neat with it's very organized and it's very clockwork. Um. But I mean, I think the night, the nighttime stuff is just. I mean, in- I don't know. I mean, because we weren't in alive in New York in the '60s and '70s. Like, when you watch movies like in the '70s that depict New York, especially like Taxi Driver yeah. or anything, or Mean Streets, it's like a very gritty and dirty, and like especially, especially with Taxi Driver, it's like just piece of shit New York, where like that translates well into what we're seeing here. But I don't really think the prostitutes are really what matters. I feel like. Because this whole sequence I wrote, it feels like an acid trip in and of itself. So I feel like it's just so much stuff is happening uh, that it's just, like, exaggerated and uh, a little bit overwhelming, I feel like. Um, And also I wrote that this is, like, kind of the point of the movie where all the core group of friends, like, find each other. Yeah. With the exception of Lucy, but she'll be around in the next song anyway. I was just about to Um, say, like, come together, this is when all the... All like, like you said, for the, everyone except Lucy comes together and they meet up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like 
the the reason that this intro, like especially with JoJo, when he's like walking through the streets and everybody's like in this really weird like grid-like pattern of walking and it's very rigid and structured and then there's kind of like just JoJo in the middle of it all. Um, I feel like because like New York is like the central hub of like culture and civilization, at least in like our eyes for the United States, uh, I feel like this is it gives credence to like this this sensation of overwhelming like i said before the overwhelming nature of it all and uh i really dig it though it's really cool no yeah it's uh, very visually stimulating um did you did you catch the uh the small appearance of a certain character probably it was uh, max oh max, max yeah, yeah max yeah max, max makes is his riding appearance the subway as, no he makes in the cab or not the driver. subway i meant the 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 taxi yeah yeah um, yeah yeah i knew i caught that before because when i first saw it i was like wait is that max and yeah it is max yeah um, also i really like that actor i think it's joe crocker actually who sang that song who um, who exactly is joe crocker he's I'm just not... like he's just uh, an artist i think he's like uh he's a musician well this like this guy i don't know who it is but i know he's a musician yeah um i think he's like a blues musician or something uh but it's like but he's i love how he's playing like the bass when he's singing Oh, like the like you can like his hands are moving, but it's in tandem with the beat of the song and the bass that plays while he's singing, like it works, like it's cool. Like I don't know if people notice that. Oh, I know, I noticed in the beginning well, even when, when he was like, like the homeless and, dude. Well, even when he's tapping his fingers, it's huh. like to the beat of the song, and then he moves his hands to the bass. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, it's like again a small thing that I thought was, that's that's yeah. neat. Well, and then here's another when Prudence. Uh, well, okay, well, when Prudence enters into the fray, like, it's Jojo, he's part of Sadie's band now, and he's and he's playing Come Together on, uh, his guitar, and he says, this is kind of, like, further into the blues mentality, he's like, oh yeah, music keeps the demons at bay, and then Prudence comes in through the, through the bathroom window, that, that song, or, like, or lyric or whatever, like, she came in through the bathroom window, so it's, like, another cameo of another song mm -hmm. and it's um it's so now and th and that's when you see when dana dana fuchs uh, i don't know why i call her when um sadie when she uh like hands her a towel or like, walks in the room it's like oh who's this and you can kind of see the look of like prudence like oh like, i always took it as like wow she's like gorgeous like prudence looking at sadie like that that was also another like giveaway of, yeah like, her true like sexuality yeah um yeah so yeah that's really all i had to say but i thought yeah i i had the pl play if you play loud enough it keep music keeps the demons at bay and i also had music is the only thing that makes sense i guess going more into that blues mentality um so everyone is pretty much all together and then we immediately go to well pretty much yeah lucy uh she's talking with her mother saying i want to go with matt i want to go to new york with max and I and one of the, and like her mother's not really for it because she thinks Max is just kind of she thinks Max is a degenerate because well, it's because it's, well, it's funny because she's like oh he's probably hanging out with promiscuous dope fiends which is like which is exactly what they're doing yeah and it's also and it's also funny because Lucy says to her mother like don't I don't smoke the big bad city won't get me and it's funny because she eventually succumbs to everything and I think it's Lucy is such a naive character and i don't think that her arc comes until much later into the film and so like i think it's like she is naive until 
in my opinion, Jude leaves. Um, because I of don't, I don't want to say naive. I mean, she's also like a high school kid. She's a kid. Well, I think I mean, she. I mean, I think she's pretty naive because she's every, just every high school kid is suffers for, unless it's like shit has happened to them. Suffer from like acute uh, naivety, naivete. Uh, where well, well, they think it's like these these things like I'm invincible. I nothing's gonna happen to me. That's just being young. I know, but that's uh, that's because they're naive and that they don't think that anything's going to happen. And I don't yeah. think, I think Lucy, that, that shift happens much later because Max, obviously his, uh, he, his spontaneous, well, no, he always keeps that, but like hit, reality hits him far sooner than it does Lucy. Whereas Lucy is just kind of like, like at the end when she's, when she gets involved with the, um, the anti-war, she's like, this is, and what, like with that fight that she and Jude have, later on um just kind of hinting on that um it's it's a very she says a lot of in my opinion i i, I don't want to keep saying naive but i can't think of a better term well i think when she is with the uh the anti-war movement i think that's a completely different motivation so i don't think that has anything to do with being naive well anyway well i mean so. i guess we'll get to that i mean i think it's more naive that she thinks that i think it's naive to think that. Oh yeah, right now when she's saying, "Oh yeah, nothing's gonna happen to me." Yeah. Yeah. And then. Well, anyway, yeah. so. When she gets to New York, we hear. Uh, and this is when. Do it, it in the road. Yeah, and this is when like Jude and Max they become to really look unkempt. Um, like Jude's hair is growing out, and I really wish that. Well, I mean. Well, it's like they're bohemians living in New York now. Yeah, they don't so. need to really do anything with. They don't need to need appearances. Like hippies. Yeah. Yeah, and so Lucy and Jude meet again, and um, they start talking. Um, Jude is obviously really into Lucy. He's like, "Oh, you want to go? Like, let's go. Let's go outside." They start talking. He's really interested in what she's saying, but this comes up um, point of interest that a, a letter came from Max after he left. And Lucy's like afraid of what it is because she knows what it is. So then we cut to a uh, a diner where Max is opening the letter, and if well, and we, it's, um, I think it's Cats or Deli or whatever that that famous deli in New York. Oh, I have no idea. I don't know if it's but, called Cats, but well, anyway, so it find we found out that Max is drafted. Well, he has to report to an induction center. Like his number has been called, and he has to get a physical for the military and uh, see if he's fit for duty. So, and this is just another issue of that time uh, that the draft was going on. Vietnam was at its highest peak. The unpop- the popularity was way down at that point. Just people were marching the streets, taking the streets. Public opinion was really soaring that we should get out of Vietnam at this point. And so, Max, well, and then we get the whole bit that... Um, like, people are saying, oh, yeah, you should, this is how you should get out of the military. And, uh, oh, and just, I have a side note. The guy that says, oh, just say you're a homo, they don't take homos. Yeah. Uh, do you know who that was? I forget his name, but he was, he, I know him. Like, uh, he was in the Pacific, he was in uh, a separate piece as uh, Finney. Yeah. I mean, that's who he is. No, he was, yeah. he was Brinker. He was the, uh, he was oh, the guy yeah. that exposes Gene. But oh, um, right, 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 wait, he yeah. was in he was in the Pacific. Yeah, he was uh Bill, the guy that really like saying Bill doesn't fucking mean anything. Yeah, that he doesn't. Was, he fought. He fought with um. Oh, remember when in like the earlier episodes when they're singing Happy Birthday to um 
Basil. It's either Basilone or uh, the other guy. Yeah. Lucky. It's when the guy who starts singing, that's him, and he's saying, how fucked are you now? How fucked are you now? Oh, surely fucked now. Okay. That's him. He, he got, like, he got, um, in, in the, mo- in the, in the Pacific, he got taken off of, uh, he got hit at Pele Lu. He didn't die, though. Oh, but, yeah, okay. he was a guy, like, who got hit by, like, a mortar shell or some shit, and Lecky went to go get a medic for him. Okay. And that's when he got hit with shrapnel. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I just thought that was an interesting thing because it's, it's like the voice that I noticed, and um, because I know that voice, and I looked him up, I'm like, oh, it's Brinker. He was but anyway, also Euro Trip as the guy. Yeah, but mm, Euro Trip. Anyway, so um, what was I saying? Okay. So then the next, so and then this kind of the reality comes. He burns the letter, and JoJo says, "No, you have to go," and. And so the next scene, Lucy and Jude are at like the water side and they both kind of, or Lucy confides in Jude and Jude also then draws her. So it's kind of building the relationship. And then yeah. they get chased by a cop because they're quote unquote defacing city property. And then we have the rendition of If I Fell, which is very intimate. And I think a lot of what I think is very interesting about this is that lots of internal things are going on with Lucy and that she's fall like you can see it in her eyes and the way her inflection of her voice is that she's falling for Jude, but she's afraid because it's still in the wake of her boyfriend being killed in Vietnam. And so uh, she eventually uh, kisses him and then they sleep together that night. But I mean, I think it's very interesting in that, um, there's a lot of internal things going along along with with Lucy, and you can you can just tell by that through her eyes and her inflection in her voice. Yeah, and I mean also the way this scene plays out is that like Jude is like I'm not gay, but holy shit, is he charming as fuck? <laughs> uh, like I would fall in love with him if he did that with me. I mean shit, like which like part she, drawing she, you? Yeah, like she's vulnerable. And then he kind of just, like, takes a stick and then, like, starts drawing stuff on the wall. And then he's, like, casually, he's like, oh, come here. Like, I'm going to get your eyes right. And it's, like, from that moment, like, my heart would just melt. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, he's so charming. And then, and then like, they have their moment. They, uh, they like, I guess, confess their love for each other. And then the next morning, Max is like, oh, well, this is happening. Uh, and then I guess, well, see you guys later. I'm going to go to the... Uh, Induction uh, center. Yeah, the induction center. And, and then we have like a very another a very very, very great segment. I want you. And the things that I wrote about this is that the biggest thing is obviously the visual style. And it's cranked to eleven here. Um it's like the Uncle Sam it's and it's all a hallucination of Max. Um either whether he's high or he's just completely nervous or everything is just It's just a movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can take it in whatever way you want, but like, there's the Uncle Sam reaching out for him, which I think is Julie Taymor. Very like, I can't believe she thought of that because that's so creative. Just taking, what? I want you and applying that to Uncle Sam, and then he's reaching out for for Max. You have the recruiters; they all look the same, uh, which kind of goes into the military I- ideology that everyone's the same, no one is different. Um, the music is very good. The, the dancing choreography is good. I also like the bit where they're stripping Max because it's in an assembly line and it's very – it's like stripping well, yeah, him of, of his I humanity. Mean, that's, that, that was like the thesis of Kubrick's uh, Full Metal Jacket. It's like you're stripped of your humanity until you just become like a killing machine. They don't really emphasize the killing machine part in this uh, 
in this movie, but it's definitely the you're stripped of your humanity. You're just another cog just, in the you, rolling yeah, machine. You become yeah, you become a cog in the in the war machine, uh, and but it's like the way whenever I watch this, I'm like, I don't think you could incorporate a Beatles song more perfectly than this. Um, even regardless of like whether even Julie Taymor was saying like I don't know what John Lennon meant when he wrote I Want You but he's but she said I only hope that we can get it right because this is like this is it's just like the way that she presents it and the way the lyrics are like I don't understand like in the in the context of this film it's perfect yeah and she said that also I believe for happiness is a warm gun she's like what the hell does that mean but she well, it's heroin yeah well I know but um yeah, I really, I love the vision, and like, so there's that whole bit of I Want You, and then She's So Heavy is just perfect, Yeah, it's carrying like a Statue of Liberty on the shoulders of the soldiers like the boots, through yeah. Vietnam, and I think that's utterly perfect, and it's just a gripping visual metaphor, um, and yeah. it's great, <laughs> I love it, and then, uh, and then yeah. when, and then when, um, like, he kind of snaps back to reality, and like, oh, is there a reason you shouldn't be in this man's army? And he says, I'm a flat, I'm a pacifist, flat foot. And he's got a spot on his hump. He's like, well, as long as you don't have flat feet. And then they, and then it's an interesting, like quick kind of visual thing where he's wrapped in, in a, uh, plastic, plastic wrap. wrap and they put and he's, like he's a, a one, he's ready yeah. to go. And, um, and then well, we go I, in and then it kind I of like finishes it. the, I want you back at, well did, the house. You, well, did you notice the guy, the sergeant, who said, as long as you don't have flat feet... Yeah, he's in the Matrix. Is. He's in the yeah, Matrix. He's, 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 like, the, the captain in the Matrix, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then there's that, and then he's like, yeah, then he's... Well, no, he's not... Well, they're wrapping up the song, but it's, like, just Max eating a Twinkie, saying, like, well, I could either go to Canada or go to jail, and... They both like, suck. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and, like, they both suck, and the guy's like, oh, like, Canada's cool, and he's like, but they speak French, and, like... So learn French or die, and like it's funny like that, and then I think that scene's over, and then we get to uh, what I don't even oh like dear, dear Prudence. Dear Prudence is next, which but I I love well it before we get on the song I love how it opens up with uh, JoJo already <laughs> garbed out in Hendrix gear. Yeah, and he's like, if, no, like, this is not this is not yeah, cool. As if the <laughs> illusion couldn't even be more paralleled. It's like this is Hendrix. You're just like. It's literally just throwing the iconography in our face. I even think like, he's I think he's a lefty as well. I think he plays his tar, guitar lefty. I have no idea. That'd be too perfect, but I think he does. Um across the universe. Uh but no, continue. I, I just cuz I'm just going going to try and look up a video. Well, yeah, well, or, then, well then we get to the uh the Oh no, he's a right. I think he's a righty. But yeah, either way, it's still well, good. Yeah, cuz then, then we get to the Dear Prudence segment um which is kind of another pointless song in this whole uh playlist uh i mean i mean it, well because it's just it's another it's a reference it's just it's more it's commenting on prudence's sexuality where and if you and if by this point for whatever reason you couldn't you didn't figure out that she's a lesbian the fa now that like she comes out of the closet if you didn't catch it after that i don't know how more obvious you can be about this <laughs> like this is like this is like a lot of okay. The, the subtlety is not this film's strong suit, but uh, this was like, oh my god, this is you know this is so apparent of what it's trying to say, and it's and it's kind of unnecessary anyway. But 
I mean, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I mean, what I but... what I like about this song, Dear Prudence, is that I mean, it's short and it's very short, but I think the harmonies are great, and I also like the cool visual with the clouds. Um, yeah. And I mean, I guess it also kind of serves as a way to get to an anti-war movement and how Lucy is kind of turned on to that, like, I guess, the leader and and how she gets involved well, yeah, in the yeah, cause. She, she wants to go with the message, and then, um, but I like. The, uh, well, the guy who is with the megaphone, he, uh, I don't know his name, but he's been in movies, though. Oh, really? Yeah, he was in Devil. He was the main character in Devil. Like, that, Oh, really? That's him? Yeah, that's him. And so he was in, seen, um... Have you seen Prometheus? Yeah, I was gonna, oh, that's that, him? That's him. Really? I think so. I'm pretty sure All that's right, him. I have to look this up. Um, because, because um, they call him the, di- I, I, there's a joke that he's, like, the discount Tom Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. Prometheus. I don't think that's him, but maybe. I'm pretty sure it is. But anyway, uh, I love the whole, um, the whole imagery. Like this is where we start actually getting the world culture perspective of Julie Taymor. In that, um, all of the it's like really weird. The whole, you know, the, the whole the floats that they oh, have shit. in this parade. You were right. That was him. Sorry to interrupt. It yeah, was I him. Know. Yeah, I know. I was right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, the whole other cultures and like, because you see so many, so much different imagery from other cultures mashing into this, into this little uh, variation of the song is that like, I, I'm assuming this is like Bo- Hindu and Buddhist imagery, um, but but it only seeks to complement Julie Taymor's like extremely unique vision um, and I feel like because of, because of this, uh, like this, this just blending of so many different textures and variables and cultures is that nobody else could have made the movie like this. Like only Julie Taymor could have made this movie of the way it is. Uh, uh-huh. I feel like if, if you gave somebody, you know, saying here, make this with this kind of visual, this is what we want. Nobody else could pull it off like her. Cause she brings like, I feel cause this is kind of coming off of my uh, reviews of the special features, where they they always say that she's been to like all these different countries and that she's so traveled and yeah, she's so, cultured. Yeah, she's so cultured in that, I, and so I'm kind of just projecting it onto this is that this is where all these elements are coming into play, of that she's been everywhere and she's experienced all these different things. It's more it's more prominent in the Mr. Kite sequence, but we'll get to that. Yeah. But it's like, a, it's a good, you can see though that something else is happening here with the whole imagery and like the, the Buddhist, like white monks holding like um, an olive branch as they're walking down the street. It, it's, it's really something else in my opinion. It doesn't, yeah. and I don't know if it's like necessarily good. Like, I don't know if like I totally get it or anything like that, but I appreciate it. Uh huh. Yeah, I uh. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I didn't really have too much to say on the like the, like the anti-war movement visuals. I have more about like kind of those reoccurring things later on, but um, it's also here. Like we're also out, like we're outside, so we cut to Sadie with her talent agent, and she's. I, I guess this goes into like she's becoming more well known. And this is where we're introduced to Dr. Dr. Robert, like, which is the total embodiment of the hippie movement. It's also yeah. Bono. Yeah it's, yeah, it's Bono. And also when they're playing on the bus, when uh, um, Sadie was like, who the hell is that? 
they're playing the song is uh I think like Blue Jay Way or like Mr. Blue Jay's Way. It's on oh, Sgt. Really? Pepper's. Yeah. Oh, that okay. that's a Beatles song. It, exactly sounding like that. Huh. Like that was one of the songs where when I was listening to Sgt. Pepper's all the way through, that song started playing and it's like usually like all the covers in the song or in the uh in the movie like yeah, they're they're covers, but like they have their own unique little twist on it. This is this one song is uh sounds like completely original to the original source huh. material, which makes sense because it's kind of this is like the the drug trippy acid nature to it all. So yeah, oh, okay. Well, yeah. So we're introduced to well, this is like so it's him, it's Doctor Robert, and then we go to his penthouse. Immediately after, and dude, holy shit, this is so trippy. This is a 1960s wet dream. Like, it's it's just bright colors, the, the la- neon, okay, like, like it's it very way. psychedelic. The last time I saw this many, like, psychedelic trips and imagery, it was in Austin Powers, and, like, <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> yeah. The Austin Powers is satirizing that well this is i mean that you get like you get what i'm trying to say like it, yeah, that's it, well, like it's, the set, point it's setting a tone yeah and like both of these films like awesome powers and across the universe capture it because it's like i i feel like that's what it is that's what it's like um and also uh going back to that whole less blank thing that i was talking about before uh there is a segment um it's like god respects us when we work but loves us when we dances it's like the first it it's him walking through like the first like it was like I would I would say it's like proto Woodstock where it's like a bunch of hippies got together did a fuck ton of drugs and just like listened to like and like acted like hippies would like they do in this movie like they're literally just dancing like naked and <laughs> like they're painting on their bodies and they're like uh blowing bubbles and like stupid shit like that and it's like you can tell that like they're just high out of their minds, but they're just like experiencing life. And the whole time I was like, "This is fucking weird," but like I get it. Um, and so and I and so going back to this movie is that this the whole next segment of Doctor Robert, I get where it's coming from now because this is actually what it was like. I feel like when you kind of get into that mentality, uh, even though like me and you will never. I don't think unless you lived through it we won't actually truly understand what it was like to live in it um but we can try uh and i feel like this is a pretty good representation of like living in this kind of situation during this particular time period of just doing like a fuck ton of drugs and just kind of experiencing everything yeah and oh man like what i have to say about this whole segment I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> like, visually, this is probably one of my favorite uh, parts next to uh, Strawberry Fields. But, so this is where I'm the Walrus comes in. And this used to be my favorite song back in, like, 2007 when I first started listening to the Beatles. Yeah, it's actually too. what made me want to see this movie because it was in the trailer. I remember some TV spot. And I was – the movie, like, like I mentioned at the beginning of this review, that it really wasn't much on my radar – but then the guy was like, I am the walrus. I'm like, well, I'm going to go see this movie now. It seems like such a silly thing to be like, yeah, I'm going to see this movie because of that one song. But what, go, going back is that this is such a stylistic rendition. It's vocally and visually just awesome. Um, this is when, in my opinion, I feel like if you had taken a psychedelic, like a, like shrooms or something, it's this point in the movie that they would kick in. 
and yeah it's like it's like from here to because so it's this so it's i'm the walrus being the benefit of mr kite and because well, it's yeah, just even like one even, long trip yeah that's what i wrote i'm like nq the the like the longest uh drug-induced delirium outside of uh enter the void or like, or entered like 2001 a space odyssey the ending like yeah uh because holy shit yeah we're on a trip and that isn't that's like being very. That's putting it very mildly. Yeah. Um. And like that. And I even wrote, if I ever did LSD, which I've never done, I don't ever want to do it. I don't ever want to do a psychedelic drug like that. Um. Because I feel like people. I know people. Obviously, we all know people who've done it, and they say, you know, my whole life. Like this. They kind of describe it like this, where they say, like, this is what they see. Is what they experience. Like they see colors and all that stupid shit. Like it changes and, your perspective. Yeah. On life, and, pretty much. And it's like I feel like I would never want to like, cause then what if, what if something bad happens? You know what I mean? Yeah, and my, I my I'm, view. I'm comfortable while I'm at right now. I don't con, <laughs> I don't condone drug use, but I don't condemn it like people who do it because it's not me. It's someone else's lifestyle. But like, uh, but I wrote going back to what I wrote. I'm like, if I ever did LSD, th- I imagine this is what it would be like. Yeah, and like what I really like about this is, excuse me, the inversion of color and oversaturation of color like it's oh just my God, and like yeah. and like just like the the sped up and the um the uh like the vocals how it's really like the pitches altered it's 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 everything is just like Oh my god, I don't even know how to just, like, I feel like it's one of those things that you have to see to really kind of understand it because it's just everything is just like someone dropped an acid pill, or, or not pill, like just that, dropped acid and just it was, was that fucking punch, dude, that they drank at Doctor Roberts. Like when you look at that shit, I'm like, wow, <laughs> there must be a lot of shit in that. Because like even when I look at it, I'm like, I, I imagine it would taste like medicine because there's so much drugs in yeah. it. Yeah, like, and it's funny, Matt. When they when they finally get to their end destination, Max is like, they're like, where are we? Max is like, I have no idea, and I don't don't know how we got here. And I think that's really funny. Yeah, and then well, because then they like. I like how things don't necessarily make sense in that, like, no one explains, like, who Dr. Roberts or who Dr. the other one is, Dr. whatever. Yeah, like, the Dr. person Gary. they're trying to meet. Yeah, they're like, Dr. Gary, it's like, why are we at this house? And it's like, oh, well, he won't see us. Like, okay, we're gonna go back to Los Angeles or whatever. And they're like, wait, well, we gotta go to New York. Like, we don't, we're not from California. It's like, well, either on the bus or off the bus. And they just leave them. And, and then that's when they're like, well, what are we gonna do now? And then Lucy says her, like, that quote from I Am The Walrus. You are me, you are he, we are all together. Yeah. Like, something like yeah. that. And then that's when they, like, hear the music. Yeah. Well, they, they hear in the distance. They go, like, oh, what is that? And and one of the my favorite bits, when they, like, find the field of all whatever the hell Mr. Kite's stuff is, um, Jude goes, oh, what is this? And Or where are we going? And then Lucy goes down the rabbit hole. Well, that's what she says going out of our minds, too. Yeah. Uh because they just uh, did so much drugs. Uh, and, yeah, so they go in, there's a lot of things, and and then out pops, well, there's, like, uh, well, it's a like tent. A circus. Yeah, it's like a circus tent, and then out comes Eddie Izzard and the Blue People, which is a very neat visual, which, that's a reference to another Beatles song, but I'm not entirely sure which one. The Blue People? Yeah. Or, like, like those like those figures, they're a reference to another Beatles song. Oh, I believe Ju- I... Julie Taymor, or I read it somewhere. Oh, that stated well, that. Yeah, cause that. Well, then, well, then Eddie Izzard starts uh, more talking than singing uh, about this song. But 
Uh, so, like, I guess going into the song, there are two versions that me and you know. Because, like, so there's the film version, and then there is the, uh, on the special features, there was... Uh, the was single like a, take. A single take of just Eddie Izzard just saying the entire song uh, just to the camera. And it's like the camera's moving around and stuff, and the blue people in the background are doing their dance moves. And it's, like, really cool. But I was wondering, like, which which version do you prefer better uh for context of the movie the one that's in the film because it's it's it fits what's going on because if it was just like a continuous shot like it with nothing going on it wouldn't fit the mood of what's going on and also i think the one in the film is just more is going on and it's it's accomplishing more yeah because like it's 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 complementing the as of what we felt up to this point of, like, just being on this one long-ass acid trip. Yeah, it, did, it does complement a lot better. And then we have the whole song, you know, weird, a bunch of weird shit's coming up. And then we see um, uh, Prudence come back into the play as Henry the Horse. As, Out of um, nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I feel like people just, like, kind of forgot she was gone. Because, like, all they mentioned of her, uh, somebody said... I think it was Sadie or yeah, something. Yeah, it was or right like, before she met with her agent. She said, yeah, like, oh, yeah, like, Prudence, Prudence split. And they're like, yeah. oh, and then Max kind of just says, oh, well, she'll be back. <laughs> and that's pretty, yeah. and it's like, okay. It was kind of like a one-off line, and I, I didn't really catch it my first go-around. I'm like, why, why, what's going on? But then, like, you're obviously not supposed to really care. But, yeah, so then Prudence comes back into the play with um, a, a new girlfriend, and then they start singing because. Yeah. Um... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't really have much on being better for Mr. Kite. It's just very trippy. Yeah, because, or the next song, because I, I, what I really like about this is all the harmonies and the duet. So the harmonies with everyone there, or the harmony with everyone there, and the duet with Jude and Lucy. And, and it's just really, it's kind of a neat visual where it just kind of pans up and they're all just in a, like a, like a circle kind of reminds me of just like a rising sun or something like that or like a moon i don't know well they're just like in a field singing together just like high. yeah uh it's like really peaceful and tranquil yeah and, and then, then you get into like the pool or like the the floating sensation that you get while you're high yeah and they're uh, like under well it's like they're underwater and it's it kind of reminded me of the yoko and john pose i, uh, I feel like that influenced it i don't know i don't really like the whole yoko ono scene but um i feel it was just it's just trippy and everybody's just kind of floating in the water together uh uh lucy and jude share their tender moment of just like hovering like suspended in nothing just like uh yeah suspended in the void just kind of together each other yeah like Um, nothing else matters it's just them yeah and then max surfaces on the pool or in the water and you see like the silhouette of a, of a military helicopter and then max is in vietnam and this is where like the movie like reality returns it's in another a very... tonal shift well it's like yeah well this is well i wrote like this is the end if this was like a two-part play this is where act one would end and the intermission would hit and then act the rest of the movie would be act two because like this is where, like, reality comes sweeping back in a very, very uh, harsh way. Yeah. It's, uh, to me, I have this as, like, dark, the, it's, like, more cold colors. It kind of reminds me of, like, Return of, or, um, Empire Strikes Back. It's, like, very cold, and, I mean, 
the setting is physically cold, but also the colors are very, they're, they're even darker. They're, they're like, whereas the last segment, the colors were dark, but there still was light. This is very, in my opinion, very shadowy that there's lots of blacks, grays, um, dark orange, uh, and it's, it's this very, and like white with the snow, which brings out the, the black and the dark even more. And I just got a very angry feeling from this segment as reality is coming in. And so we open up with a segment. Um, Lucy is really hard at work at this uh, um, anti-war movement. And Jude comes out like, when are you going to get off? He's like, I don't know. And he's he kind of leaves annoyed. And then we get well, into... they say I love you. They both say I love you. I mean, oh, like... well... Yeah, but oh, I think it starts. I think it starts off that. Oh, maybe that's later. I was gonna say. Um, well, the next song is something. Well, I was gonna say, isn't Lucy like a struggling waitress or something? Or maybe that's later on. Um, I think that's this. I think it's like it's during this part. Yeah. Because it's like they come back from Vietnam. Lucy is a struggling wait waitress. She's sucking at her job. She's getting stressed. She's working at the. Um, I think. I, that guy has like a really stupid sounding name. It's Paco. Yeah, yeah. I, I just Paco. looked. It, I just looked it up. Like when I looked at yeah, that actor. Yeah, actor. he's working with Paco, and then Jude is uh, doing his art, uh, whatever, and and then that's when we transition in the something in, into where, something where where Jude is pulling a Titanic and like sketching Lucy uh, while she sleeps. But it's like a really again. I keep saying tender. Because that's really, like, the best way to describe it is, in my opinion, is that it's just, like, well, it's so sweet. I think and... what I really like about this and why something, I th like, why the song Something is, I think, appropriate. Because it starts off with he he's in love with Lucy and he's trying to figure out how to put it down in words. But towards the end of the song, he is, well, I, I like how he's drawing her and, like, he's noticing details about her. And, uh, like, like this, the, the lyric, something in her smile, she knows. But at the end of the song, it's really Jude is unsure of his future. And I, I specifically, like, I noticed it on this viewing. He says, will my love grow? I don't know. And if you stick around, will it show? I don't know. And I kind of like how he just doesn't know what's what his future holds with Lucy. And uh, I think that's, I think that's very real and i like that well, dynamic well i was this song written by george harrison before or after that the the girl left him because she uh i forget what the woman's name is but she left george harrison for eric clapton and then i think she left eric clapton or something but like eric clapton wrote layla after this woman too um but i forget her name but i'm saying do you know if that's before or after because this song like plays off like it's really heartfelt but like kind of sad at the same time i'm not sure i i really didn't know much about i mean that, I, so. it, yeah it works it works in this film though because it's like jude yeah yeah like, pretty much you nailed it like he can't describe how much he loves her and then and then like he draws her and uh they like they like kiss and then it, and then it, and then it abruptly transitions to uh oh darling where this is kind of like everything starts to kind of break apart and fragment. Yeah, uh, I like... What was, like, I'm kind of confused because, like, why is JoJo pissed off at Sadie? Because Sadie 
was talking to the agent. I think she was going solo. I don't think she was going solo, but it was something. It was something to do with her mu- the musical career, and he did, and she didn't really consult the band about it, and he was pissed off that she didn't consult them. So that's why he just is kind of pissed off on the stage. Like she told, she told him about, I guess the deal or something literally right before they went on stage. So then they're saying, Oh darling. And I really like this dichotomy between Sadie and Jojo and that they're both doing different styles and they're, but they're playing with emotion. Like their, their drive is their emotion. Oh yeah. And I love how Jojo is retaliating on stage where he's kind of playing his own writ. He's playing riffs. The inner, it's like kind of not mess up, but overpower Sadie. And then, he takes the mic and just starts like they they're kind of having a shouting match through through well, it's song. Like, it's it's an emotional exchange because it's like they're both like frustrated, and but like the whole the whole way is that like Sadie's like okay let's just get this done like let's do our set and then but then Jojo's like not having any of it and he's kind of throwing out sass like she would say the lyric and then he's like oh yeah like you're full of shit yeah and then they're like screaming at each other and then Sadie leaves. By disconnecting the the cord, and then JoJo's like, "Fuck it, let's just keep like we don't need her." And he keeps keeps playing. She she runs off with emotion, storm like, "I'm gonna show you." And at this point, the group is completely broken. This is the lowest. Well, it's about to get to the lowest point of of everyone. Uh, Prudence is gone. Sadie is gone. Max is gone. Um, well, I don't think like I don't who like again. Prudence just disappeared. But so she I, was part of the group, and she was no, well loved by everyone. I have no everyone. idea where she is either. Like she disappeared, she comes back, and now she's gone again. Uh, maybe we just don't see her, and she's around. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. She doesn't really come up again until the very end of the movie, so I don't think it's yeah, a big deal. Yeah. But so um, after this, uh, and then the relationship with Lucy and, um, I was about to say Jim, uh, Lucy and Jude, it's getting strained, it's strained, uh, so Jude is having, he's not, he's having, I guess, like, artist block, or, like, writer's block with his art, like, he's kind of, he's just frustrated and showing in his work, so Paco and Lucy come, and Paco's the last guy that Jude wants to see, um, and so he's 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 really he's he's not aggressive, but he's really passive aggressive about it. And he leaves. Paco sets up a TV, and I think what's uh, and they say like, oh, Vietnam's being streamed in the homes of TV. And they turn on TV, and it's immediately Vietnam. And I think it it adds more conflict because the first thing that comes on is more troops are being sent to Vietnam, and there's more casualties. And then Jude is is smoking and. This is what um this is what I was saying. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I know we've had our discussions about why people smoke on screen. And I and my argument, I mean, other than it adds something on the screen, like some the characters are doing something. I think it can like smoke can be very visually stimulating and, and cool the the film and the smoke here with I think it's he's a dark well yeah he's a dark background or he's offset with a dark background and he has a like kind of like a spotlight on his face through the door and white smoke is just trailing out of his mouth very slowly it's very i think appealing and it looks cool so yeah just a cool shot yeah Um, and 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 well then we transition into strawberry fields forever yeah and i want to say like i think before we get into it i think yeah i wrote this is my favorite of all the songs this is like my favorite use of 
uh, visual like imagery and manipulation. I, yeah. I find this scene like ingenious. Yeah, I think Jim Jim Sturgis and Joe Anderson, who plays Max, really sell this, and especially Jim Sturgis because uh, he he's just he's just he's playing pissed off very well and. It's not over the top in my opinion, but the imagery, yeah, the strawberries, the strawberries. I love the the view of the strawberries pinned to the wall and they're bleeding, and that yeah. and that like pan back. I love that. That's really cool. Um, I love how the they're like they're a duet, but they're not. They're like in different parts of the world, and like the way they convey that is that they're projected on each other's faces. Yeah, and they I, sing. I also like, that's like really cool. Like I've never thought of doing something like that. Yeah, like, it's, it's also practical. So yeah, that's all practical and it's cool and like, um, the like bombs and planes are like going over their faces and stuff. It's like a really striking visual. Yeah, I like um, the juxtaposition between art and war, and that she kind of like blends them very well. Um, I also like the image of Max uh, when he when his part of the duet takes over. He is suddenly the focus on the TV, and I and I love like the slow pan in on the TV, and he's just kind of going through, and then it tr- fully transitions to him being there, and then Jude is like they're on patrol, and the point man gets shot, and Max drops to his knees, and in the and his squad is fanning out, and then Jude is offset in the background, and I think it's just very very cool i think both actors do great performances here their voices and just like their mannerisms and the the like i said the juxtaposition with between art and war it's great um and yeah i really i i think visually this is one of the best parts of the movie yeah and then um well i think i don't think we no we don't see the strawberry at this point but um isn't and then after this isn't it the scene yeah, the scene after that is they're doing laundry, right? Yeah, and, and this is like this a is big fight. Yeah, this, and like Jude says, like I got the idea, I, I did a strawberry, and uh, they have this back and forth where Lucy is obviously frustrated about uh, the war going on, and she takes um, it out on Jude. Yeah, she takes her um, frustrations out but, on him. But this is going off what we were mentioning before with the whole naive nature of young Lucy, and this is where I said it's like a different scenario circumstance with adult Lucy because she isn't naive in the sense that she thinks laying on a tank is going to stop war. That's not really naive in my opinion. That that is the that was the culture of the time and it still kind of is right now, but I I don't really believe that's that's naivete like taking control. Uh I mean I guess to some people, I mean I guess that would become now is it a is it is it a practical situation where i mean honestly it it, it depends i mean because you look at people like the tiananmen square tank man he did exactly what lucy said and he i mean china doesn't know that but the thing the, the thing no though... but i'm saying but i'm saying though with this is that it's not naive to think that protesting against war and doing these drastic things is uh, is wrong or like won't do anything. I feel like it's naive to think the opposite. That if you just sit around and like you have no, you can't change something. I feel like to think to think that like revolution is pointless, like why bother, is naive in of itself. Yeah, I mean, I guess my thing is just that 
I don't know. I, I, she's all I, she, she says she do, she talks a lot and she doesn't really do anything. Like, if that makes sense. And I mean, I guess she kind of is, I don't know. I just think she's still kind of naive to think that like those anti-war movements are going to stop the war because I'm kind of a cynical bastard in that I don't really, no matter what you do, I don't think any, it's, it's never going to change. And that's just kind of my cynical well, viewpoint also, of also, the I'm world like and rhetoric. Biased. I'm kind of biased too, especially with this, pro this kind of protesting, um, like protesting the Vietnam War. The thing that I find despicable about this kind of protest is that they, like, people who protested the war, uh, not only, uh, and this is also like a generalization, but this did happen among the protesters. Is that, and it's also a common thread, is that like not only did they shit on their country. They shit on the people who are dying for it. Yeah, they, they that, were. And, their and, aggression was targeted towards the wrong. Well, they, it was targeted towards everyone, and not. And it should only be targeted towards like the pol like the the policymakers or the politicians that were fighting the war, not the people that were fighting the war for the politicians. Well, yeah, and that's why I kind of go into it with this whole biased perspective, like because they're saying like, oh, like, uh, let's. Uh, lay down in front of a tank to make the war go away, but like at the same time, you're shitting on people, like you're sending them dog food and calling them murderers. Uh, and in my opinion, that is fucking despicable. If you, if somebody ever did that, you can go fuck yourself. Uh, that, that's like the most despicable act I think somebody could do to another, at least citizen of the United States. But regardless of the fact, before I get heated. Um, I think that's why I kind of look at this this kind of revolution as if like w w I keep saying I'm biased in that it, I think it didn't really work because of that, and that's why like it's not it's not naive to think that revolution can't work. But I don't know. I just don't like the the politics behind this particular revolution. Also because it's so recent. Um, yeah. So like it's kind of hard to detach ourselves from it. So. Yeah. Well, so anyway, and then they leave, or Lucy storms out, and Jude goes to the, like, the head, uh, I guess, uh, headquarters, and he's, it is a very emotion, uh, angry, driven song. Um, Jude is pretty much calling out the movement for being hypocrites, uh, and Jude just completely loses his mind. He gets violent, and, and, I love like the details in this, like having a picture of um, it wasn't of of of, of, Ch of uh, Mao and and or maybe it was Ho Chi Minh. What one no, of these? It was uh, it was Mao because yeah, the lyric says if you go carry a picture of Chairman Mao. Yeah, so it was Mao, and then there's a Black Panther there, so they're getting more radical. Um, and then yeah, that's I just it's just very that that's really it, weird too. The fact that like. Why would a group? I mean, I guess like they don't know because like this group they said it's like it's the United the war in Vietnam was a mark was like the hype was like the hallmark of violent imperialism. So I can kind of see why they had a Mao Zedong picture. Uh, so never mind. I was gonna say that didn't make any sense, but I actually thought about it for more than two seconds. So yeah. Yeah. Well. Anyway. So then Jude gets thrown out. Lucy's like pretty much fuck you. Um for embarrassing her and then we get into another really good rendition of uh while my guitar gently weeps i well, love also, well i, I want to go back before we get off that 
I want to say right now I really appreciate the scene because, yeah, like you said, it's a mark against the radical protesters and that, like, and y'all, you find this in other movements too, but, like, their message of peace gets quickly lost in their, like, political gains and machinations, like, um, where they say, like, oh, maybe bombs are the next step. And and Jude is, is fighting against that hate. Yeah. Uh, which I really appreciate. Lucy even drops a bit, uh, maybe people will start listening once bombs start going off in the streets. And, like, I, I think she, she, doesn't, meant, she doesn't mean it in the fact that, that the radicals... I think she meant yeah. if, like, we're getting invaded or something. No, like, she, I think she meant that in the sense that society is getting so, like, sh- sh- uh, shaken up that, like, the... Uh, the, I took that as that the um, Detroit riots happened in New York. I oh. think that's what she meant. Okay. I mean, but then it is then later, literally, bombs going off in the street, which I'll get to in a minute because I... Man. Um, so, uh, while my guitar gently um, weeps, it, it follows uh, MLK's death, which is, like, immediately after Jude gets kicked out. Uh, you see it on, like, TVs. Um, it's very somber, in the, and say and like it, it cuts between Sadie needing more soul in her group, with referencing jo- JoJo, and Lucy comes home and she. This is when she sees the strawberry that you mentioned earlier, and she kind of breaks down. I guess this is when she leaves. She decides well, yeah, to she leave. Knows she's leave. Oh, is she just like because it, it happens when she sees the strawberry? Like I'm kind of that never really. I never really understood that. No, but... I feel like she's crying not at the strawberry, but because she's gonna leave. Oh, okay. I mean, that's what I took it as. I just took it as because she walks in and then she sees the strawberry and she seems really choked up. So I don't know. But um, Jude joins in. I think they both do a really. I think I think Martin Luther, who plays JoJo, does such a great job. He's a great voice and he's a great guitar player. If that was him playing it, and uh, but I think he's also a musician first, actor second, and it was it's great. And then Jude comes home and Lucy is gone. And, and then we try, I mean, did you have anything else to say about, well, my guitar generally weaves? Cause we're about no, to get it, into it's a just cross a good, scene. It's a good variation, like a good cover of the song. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So now we get into across the universe. Now this is, like I said, my second favorite song. This yeah, is the title. This is the title song. This has to like, this has to be one of the best moments. Cause it's like, this is what the movie's named after. And what I mentioned earlier that Jim Sturgis, like he always sells it. But there's one point that that it really he completely sold me, and that he's perfect for this is this moment, um, and it was at this moment that I was like, wow, I kind of want to watch more of him. Um, I've seen Twenty One, I have Cloud Atlas. It's okay. Yeah, but it's, I feel like he is he good in it. Uh, he wasn't bad. I don't remember him being. I feel bad like in I it. feel like he's not very like predominant. That movie featured, is but. like pretty. Uh, overrated anyway like nobody's really great in it and but nobody's really bad in it either so yeah i feel like it's the message that's more like and the visuals but people Even like the message is okay the visuals are kind of cool but it's a, yeah. it's a mad movie but anyway i digress this is the moment that he completely sells me that he's perfect for this role he has a beautiful voice i mean i've been saying that the whole time but this is where it's really like damn um the visuals are nice and but it, it's mostly it's mostly Jim Shore, I guess, that really well, makes I it think, for me. Oh no, it's like a mixture of everything because, like, uh, again, it's 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 Ju- it's a Judy. Ju- why do I say Judy? It's Julie Taymor. <laughs> um, she brings in so many elements that are like almost, nearly perfect that they fit. Uh, because 
I mean, not only is across the universe, like I, I mean that I, I always take it that the song is like universal harmony and like kind of just being enlightened. Obviously, with the whole, uh, the whole. I, I think it's it's either Hindu or Buddhist uh, phrases in the song. I'm gonna say Buddhist, um, uh, and it's kind of like a, tr- a transcendent, like transcending song, in that. Uh, Jude is um, with everybody else. He's like, we're all souls in this train uh, crossing the universe. And it, it hits home because it's like he, he goes to the front of the train and he sees the lights of the subway yeah, system. I'll, I'll and, it's, and it's supposed to be stars. And you're going, and I'm, and I say, and I see something like that where it's so, it's so simple that you kind of don't realize it that when you're thinking about it, like you, you obviously know, like, this is what it's supposed to mean. But when you, when you, the fact that like somebody sat down and said like and made that connection in parallel is is brilliant to me and i love how he sees like different variations of his life how it could be better in like a different subway he sees the buddhists come in with their uh uh like little finger like chimes or things and then you see jude like kind of where he wants to be in most like the most peace with lucy and then that that kind of goes away and then and then he just keeps singing, and then he goes to the rally. Yeah. Well, before we get there, like, what I really like is his inflection in his voice and and like his in his face. He's just he's it's really thoughtful and provoking. And my favorite shot is what you mentioned earlier when he's singing in front of the subway car, and the lights are going through in the tunnel. And the and that the lyric there is I wrote it down: images of broken light which dance which dance before me like a million eyes. They call me on and on across the universe, and then it's that when they uh, stumble up upon the uh, the protest, and yeah. and I just I mean I just I just love the visuals and the way it's shot, but and then he he stumbles in, and this is where he into the protest and across the universe is then mixed with Helter Skelter, and like I said earlier, I normally don't I mean I don't like Sadie's music in this. But it's 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 perfect here, and that her style fits the song, and that's very well, manic. Well, uh, well, yeah, that. But I love how uh, when it gets to that point, that's when shit really starts getting crazy, and then you know that, and like the protests, like cops are beating up protesters, and like shit's just getting crazy. And but then at the same time, these two songs keep playing over each other. It's like the peace, and then there's the hate, or like the chaos, and it's like kind of like the yin and yang that I see. And the whole time, when you get close with some people, they're mouthing, "Nothing's gonna change yeah. my, world, my world." And uh, and I love that because then it gets like it's it's across the universe, and then it gets crazy, and then um, and then the strings start swelling up. And this is like kind of the part where like if I if I cried during movies, I would cry here because it's like. Jude and Lucy see each other. Jude tries to fight to get to her. He gets beaten over the head, and he's like kind of in pain, and he's bleeding from the head. And like the strings are swir- like swelling, and it's like really dramatic, and it's like reaching like this peak of like emotion, Whoa. and it's so sad. And then you cut to Max yeah, in Vietnam screaming with the with the strings, and then he everything kind of just goes quiet and like the chaos and hysteria kind of just laps and then you just hear jude saying nothing's gonna change my world and then we get to well well the, like what's interesting the definition of helter skelter is 
um, like disorder and confusion. So it only fits here in the mists of chaos that Helter oh, Skelter yeah, is that, playing. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but and as you're saying, like Jude gets beaten, he's put in jail, and this is when we find out he's deported. Um, well, I mean, I think we, I kind of, like, I was going to say, so, like, yeah, Jude gets deported, but before that... Oh, yeah, the, 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 eight, the, 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 the I was going to ask you what, the, like, okay, so the scene is, right before this changes, or, like, this ends, there's, like, these Asian, masked, naked, painted white women in, they're doing, like, some interpretive dance, as it looks like, and then they, and as the song ends, they fall back, and then the masks come off and they're just dead. I have no idea what this yeah, represents. I, I literally wrote uh, in my notes, what the fuck did those women falling into the water mean? And it's like, and then I wrote, this is like one of the only problems I have with the movie. It's like, it's like imagery like this that it, it never makes any sense. Like, I don't even know, like, how I can even draw this to something unless I'm unless it's like lore that I'm missing, or it's like some Buddhist or like ancient religious like, like, like symbolism. Like I have no idea. I, yeah, like and this is one of the things I kind of give this a pass though because like it's only one thing. Yeah, I mean that like I don't get like the average moviegoer is not gonna have yeah, any idea. See, I mean like, like we like this podcast we try to analyze these things and see, if yeah. we can't like we're trying to make an active like attempt to analyze it and we can't like i i don't know how the average moviegoer see, see, is and this is where and like when i mentioned before we started the discussion is that like i said people like the casual moviegoer will watch something like this scene and then kind of say i don't get it so the movie sucked you know what i mean yeah that's just people being ignorant but yeah, but yeah still, i get what you're saying but uh yeah so that happens and like I mentioned before I don't know if there's anything more to say about that um yeah, Jude I mean, gets like you said Jude got deported uh he finds out like we mentioned earlier his girlfriend is pregnant and married with, with Phil, Scully. Phil Phil Scully and then we go to my favorite song and segment of the whole film Happiness is a Warm Gun and so the scene is Max in a veterans hospital Lucy's visiting and he's kind of just I don't I, what is he kind of like re recollecting like what's going on or the pain he's in and no, he just has ptsd yeah that's true and what i really like about this is well joe anderson has an amazing voice it's it's, it's great it's fantastic and the visuals are really cool as well especially the the beds flipping up well they're them a going around b flipping up and the injecting of the blue drug i I, I love that. That that whole ending bit well, is great. We're also forgetting that Selma Hayek is I was, like... That was my next note. She's like clone nurses. And yeah. that comes out of left field too. Because like, I didn't know who Selma Hayek was when I saw this movie. Like for the first couple times. And then I knew who she was. Like, you know, from Dust Till Dawn, uh, Dogma, stuff like that. And then I Spy realized kids. it was her. And I was like, holy shit, it's Selma Hayek. And that, that's kind of like out of left field too. But like, I mean, it's it's not. But, it's, you know, it's not, it's not it's as stupid. distracting or anything. No, I'm, it's, I'm not saying it's distracting. I, I think it works perfectly because you need like Sama Hayek is sexy as hell, and it's like it works because uh, you need this kind of uh, she's, she is nature the drug. Of drugs. She yeah. is the drug. She is the heroin. If in terms or morphine or a, a numbing drug. Yeah, in terms obviously, yeah, in the context of John Lennon, Sama Hayek is heroin, and I totally agree with that. Uh, but it, it just in general, I think she's fine as hell. She's 
uh, like it, 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 it works, uh, especially in terms of, you know, the general field of this movie, it, it just works, like, why not, Selma Hayek turns in the seven other versions of herself and dopes up jo- Joe Anderson. Yeah, but like I said, I really like the. It's very a. It's a very personal uh, song for for Max, and I, I I and like I said, I my favorite bit of this whole song is when the beds flip up. And he says, "Happiness is a warm gun," and his, his well, also his vocal range is great. Um, in that he's able to hit what he can, but when they inject the drugs and the screen turns blue and he kind of like jumps out of his bed from the high and then slams back down. I, I just love the look of that. And it's so, it's so great. And Joe Anderson just sells it. Um, and so that's my favorite bit. And it's, 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 it's like relatively short, but it's good. I like it. And then immediately following this, we get to the March in New York. Now this is the point yeah. where I think Lucy kind of snaps out of that naive state in that she's on the phone with her mother saying kind of like her, her mother is kind of just saying, I want you home. This is like, this is gone out of control. This is dangerous. And Lucy's like, well, fuck you like this. Good. You should be scared because this is the reality of the things. And then she, but then she actually sees the violence and that's when like, you can see it in Evan Rachel Woods, my or in her in her in her eyes and her face that oh shit this actually well, is like, getting real she's like genuinely scared now. yeah and she because she doesn't like she lost uh she lost jude she doesn't have max uh and it's like everything's kind of falling apart and i get and like people are getting beaten up outside of the, the phone booth that she's in like it gets a bullet shot through it um and what she does when she sits down is she sings uh, everything's gonna be all right. Or yeah, like, from or Revolution. Whatever. Yeah, it's gonna be all right from Revolution. Just to remind herself of Jude, just to calm herself down. Um, and then after that, she walks in on all the leaders making bombs, and they're fucking idiots because they blow themselves up. <laughs> yeah, but we find that out from the in the next segment, which is a day in the life. Which I think they're making the bomb during that segment too. Uh, and well, yeah, because what happens is like the way they figure it out is. Jude is, uh, well, JoJo is playing the version of A Day in the Life on his guitar, and then Jude, everybody's in their respective place where they start in the beginning of the film. Jude is back at the docks, uh, he does, his girlfriend is now with Phil, pregnant, um, and he just pays for a paper, reads it, and he sees, like, radicals, yeah, uh, radicals blow like, themselves up yeah, or something. And, and, th- and, then and this is when of, the crescendo well, yeah, build, yeah, which is and perfect. It, and when it dawns on him, like, he, this is Lucy, and um, and then the paper explodes, and now we're back from where we started, where we started at the beginning of the film, on the beach, sitting there. So everyone is like everything. Everyone is caught up to this point. Yeah, everybody's caught up to this point. Um, and then, so yeah, he's on the beach, and then we get like a little short thing of Blackbird. I I, I don't really care for this. Um, what is this song? What is Blackbird the song supposed to mean anyway? Like just like in the context of the movie, or just no, in general? In 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 general, because I don't know. Out- it's not my. It's probably one of my lesser. Like it's probably one of my least favorite songs of the Beatles. I'm, I guess I'm I just assuming, don't really I'm care assuming for it's it. a girl. Like Blackbird singing the Dead of Night, open up your wings and learn to fly. I'm assuming it's like somebody learns how to like let go or. Uh, grow like internally 
something like that, but I, I don't really know. I think in in context of the movie, I'm assuming it's like it's she's remembering Jude. Well, what I took this as is this kind of like this is the rebuilding uh, yeah, it's because like it's a very short – they use a very short segment and from what I remember is that um, it's the take your broken wing and learn how to fly. So I feel like this is just kind of at the end after everyone is beaten down, they're trying to mend their wounds and tend to their wounds and then kind of lift themselves back up. That's how I interpret it. Then again, I also really didn't care for this two-minute segment. So, um, what do I have written? Yeah, I was. I, I, I just, asked. I have written. Did you have anything, Brian? Because I, I really wrote, didn't care. I wrote Max is back. Jude's portrait is still there. That's all I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if this can be taken from the movie, and nothing would really be missed. Yeah. But that's a lot of things for this movie. But it's still, it's still good. Uh, yeah. But then, next we get. I think I think honestly one of the most anticipated songs yeah, really? uh, of this movie cuz I remember I showed a friend of mine this movie cuz we were just bored and like she she would she gets this kind of thing and I said like you would really like this movie let's watch it and and the whole time we were just watching it and then Hey Jude came on and she's like I've been waiting the entire movie for this song like I knew this was going to happen well the main character is Jude so no, I'm just saying like I feel like everybody was waiting for this moment for Hey Jude the start. Yeah, it's it's like it's like going to like a really well known like concert of a band and you're waiting for them to play their like number one hit. It, it, let's say the okay, the way I put this, it's let's say you go to like a Kansas concert and you're just waiting for them to play uh Carry On My Wayward Son. Like that's the way I kind of interpreted this. It's like they have to play one of their greatest songs. So um now Hey Jude, what I like about this is this really puts a much needed boost into the movie because the last thirty minutes or twenty five minutes or so it's just been downers. So Max is singing to Jude from across the ocean to come back, and he's saying everything's going to be fine if you come back and chase Lucy. And and it, I just really like it because it's Max is just essentially telling Jude that everything will be all right, and you and Lucy are meant to be. And it's great because everyone joins in, and it's very uplifting and very happy. And um, I love the embrace between Max and Jude. Uh, because like I said earlier, it's very genuine, and I believe that they're happy to see each other, so, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all I had on that, and then, and then, but then we get to, uh, the, 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 the final bow, I guess, the, the final two songs of the film. Yeah, this really felt like, you say final bow, I really did get, like, this, if this were a play, that... I feel like this is def like this is such a great build up to this song, and like you said, this is the thesis of this film. All you need is love, and uh, it's it's uplifting. It's a great. It's a it's a perfect way to end this film. Well, well, they play "Don't Let Me Down" and then "All You Need Is Love," but it's like I I really love how, um, again, like just further alluding to the Beatles, like that was like they played. This was their last concert. They played "Don't Let Me Down" on the roof along with everything else, um. But it's like everybody's back together. It's so happy. It's like as if all that crazy shit that just happened didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and it's just happy. And you and the way you're saying it's like uh, Lucy's coming. 
you're gonna see Lucy again. Yeah, uh, and then um, the cops come, and everyone's kind of like, okay, whatever, we'll come. And then Jude stays, and he starts the All You Need Is Love, and the cops are about to break it up. And through that love, they the say, continues. please, just let the song continue. Just give him this one, and they're like, all right, whatever, we'll, we'll let it go. And I, oh, man, and everyone starts singing. It's great. And Lucy's there, and she and well, she's trying she's to get not, in. Well, yeah. no, she's down in the audience. Um. Oh, and and when she comes, she first shows up. She sees Jude's um, strawberry logo, and it kind of gives her flashback. Or it, it reminds her of Jude. And then she hears Jude, and she's like, "Okay, well, I have to get up and see him." So she goes to the other side, and Jude kind of gives up hope that he's gonna see her. And as he's walking, Max motions like past him and G- and Lucy is standing on the opposite building and I this is this is when I I was like I want to see more of Jim Struggus because holy shit the well, yeah, look it, that he gives Lucy is it's just like I well, I miss you it's just a range of emotions that he's happy and I absolutely love when he breaks down because he's so happy to see well, her I also love the the icing on the on the cake for that moment. I think I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, is when Max sings yeah. like she loves you, yay. I'm like, oh my god, that I love it. I love that. Yeah, it's 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 mostly uh Jude's look when he just starts breaking down that he's just so happy to see her because I I, I it's just so genuine and I well, and I relate to that to this part. To yeah. This point. Because I, it's also I relate to that so much that there are people there are people currently in my life and that that I could. It's certain situations in my life that I felt like if I had seen them, I would break down. So I could – I relate to his happiness, but he's also – like you said, everything is building up to this moment and that everything is just so – the chemistry is there. You've been through the character every, – every character, you've been through their highs and their lows, and it's just coming to this one bit. And, and then it – it ends with um, a still on Lucy, and then it fades into the kind of that like water, like where that the kind of the representation of the metaphor of like being high, like that water, and then Lucy in the sky plays Bono's like, rendition. Lucy in the sky with diamonds, yeah, sung by Bono, and then that's the movie, like it's over. Yeah, and the credits roll, and what a ride, <laughs> what a ride! It's it it ends at this point and. Ends with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, which is fitting, and another, like I said, Bono sings it, and it comes to this, that we reach the end of the discussion. Yeah. So, Brian, that's another review down. I think it's um, it's now time for our star ratings and recommendations. Yep. Uh, I, I recommended it, so you go first. Okay. So, my rating uh, for... For new listeners and everyone, it's out of five. And so what I'm going to give across the universe is a four out of five stars. The story is so naturalistic, and I feel relatable in some sense. The the the, the voices are amazing. The chemistry is great. The style is fantastic. Direction is great. Cinematography. Everything is great about this film. Everything flows together. Um, and the biggest thing is that I feel like that this film has earned its right to use the Beatles music. Oh, it, yeah. It is, definitely. it is definitely earned everything and that it, it uses. And I, I can't recommend this 
any higher. This is such a strong recommendation. Um, the most I'm really giving it a four out of five because I don't think it's a perfect film. It's it's a great one at that, but there are I do have some issues with it, especially in the middle bit. Um, I think the ending and the beginning are near they're they're near perfect, but the I, I do have issues with the middle. But for the most part, it's I love it and. Yeah. I would give this a four to five stars. I would recommend this to anyone that comes across it. So I would definitely say give this a watch. Yeah. So uh, okay. So I have two, uh, uh, I guess, criteria. I'm like, I there are two different ratings I'm going to give this film. Uh, in in general, if I were to see somebody off the street and say, what would I give this film? Uh, without, like, having my personal bias of the Beatles and everything, I would give it a 3.5, uh, mainly because of all the things we've said. Just from, like, a thematic standpoint, like, it's visually stunning, but it's sometimes it's style over substance, in my opinion, over the main story. And, uh, as, like, when you compound that over the, 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 it's not, like, they're not, like, confusing, but it's very... Uh, different kind of styles that that are kind of blended into this movie. I can see why a lot of people would be turned off to this. Like, I wouldn't just recommend this to like a di- an average Joe, like who like if they even especially if they don't like the Beatles, I wouldn't recommend this movie at all. But that leads me into the other part of my uh, rating, which is if you are as in love with the Beatles as you are with we are, five out of five. Uh, without a doubt, because this movie banks on the fact that you know the Beatles, you know where they come from, and that you can identify with the Beatles. And a lot of, and that's why I like the Beatles are the Beatles because we identify with them so strongly, and we sympathize and we understand them. And everything in this movie goes in the play because of that uh, knowledge that we have and that deep appreciation. So I personally give this a five out of five. But thematically and everything else taken into consideration, a 3.5. So really, take that what you will, um, but that's my rating system, what I give it. All right, great. So with that, that concludes this episode of Amateur Autors. Um, thank you for sticking with us through this whole um, review. This is, oh man, this is just over, I think just under two and a half hours. It's, honestly, I think we're getting a lot better at this. I remember I I don't like listening to the earlier reviews because like I think we sound like shit. Oh, uh, I don't just, listen. To, I don't listen to snap. Like I I I uh I listen to make to kind of learn, but I the one I will not listen to is snatch because I just I'm like oh god this is yeah. not good. <laughs> yeah, I I don't listen. I don't like listening I, as we get further and further on and we kind of get used to it. Like you can tell for you guys listening. I'm sure you can tell that like. It was a really weird growing pain that we had for the first couple episodes, but I think we're honestly getting it right now. I think we're getting our groove and we're understanding what we're doing more, and we're not just like just off the cuff, just doing shit. Um, I, so I really appreciate it that it's like you guys stuck with us, and for all you new guys, don't listen to the older shit unless well, like. Okay, I wouldn't yes, say that. Obviously, but anyway, obviously listen to it. Okay, you know what I meant. It's like. I don't like listening to it, but hopefully you guys can allow us that little growing pain because I think we're getting a lot better at this. And as we're getting better at this, much 
better discussions will be had. Just like this, I think this was one of the best discussions we ever had. Mainly because this 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 movie's like an hour forty five long, and we had a two and a half hour discussion about it. I think our longest review or not review like discussion that we've had about a film was Waltz with Bashir at like two hours exactly. So, oh wow! But yeah, well anyway, so. Thank you once again for joining us in this episode, where next week it is my recommendation to Brian. And, um, yeah, I can't... The, the hint would be, um, uh, I would I would pray to Buddy Christ to uh, think about, like, maybe he'll give you some answers about what the movie is, guys. Yeah, that was going to be, I was going to go along that lines if I had to give a hint. But yes, so join us next week for another episode of Amateur Autors. And uh, once again, thank you for the support. And we will see you then. Yep, thank you. Alright, bye-bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur All Tours. If you like what you've heard, want to leave a review, or even make a possible suggestion for Brian and I to discuss, you can follow us on Instagram at The Amateur All Tours, on Facebook at Amateur All Tours Podcast, or even send us an email at The Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, The Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. That is one word. Cover design was composed by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at her own website, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme was performed by the CCH Jazz Ensemble, which was found using a Creative Commons search. Once again, we would like to personally thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to let us know what you think, and thank you once again. Mm-hmm.